This week in league, Glenn goes on a pilgrimage to Fiji to see if he can bring Lottie back in time to score a hat-trick for 2011. This week in league, gets a real Queenslander behind the mic. Scientists will finally have the chance to prove that pain trains destroy hane planes. And we'll preview all of the action for round 20 of the NRL season 2011. All that and more this week in league. Welcome to episode 57 of This Week in League. I'm Nate, and this week there is no Glenn. My regular partner in crime is on holiday in Fiji, but I'm not going in alone. It'd be far too boring for everyone to listen to if I did, so I brought in a guest co-host. He has been described on Twitter as the Silver Fox Stunner. <laughs> He's a legend of rugby league, known mostly, of course, for his 100 games with the Mighty Manly Seagulls, and to a lesser extent, I heard he picked up some Man of a Match awards in the first two Origin games for smacking Eric Growth in the mouth. Among other things... He currently works in business development for the Titans. He is none other than Chris Choppy Close. Welcome. Thanks, mate. Uh, very, very pleased to be here, Nate. I, uh, I'm a mad rugby league supporter, and as you know, I, uh, I've uh, leapt into the Twitter world feet first, so uh, I find it very, a very satisfying um, arena, mate, to share a bit of humour and uh, share a few uh, stories with common interest in rugby league and life awesome. in general. Excellent, excellent to hear. Um, just kick off usually as we start with a little bit, little bit of housekeeping. Um, no real show news to report for this week. Um, other, of course, you know, Glenn's not here for a week. Um, but I do have a short plug for the Underground MMA Cage Fighting Series this Friday night at the Arena in the Valley, um, right near Brunswick Street Station or Fortitude Valley Station as it is now, I guess. Doors open at 6, action kicks off at 7.30pm Friday night. 10 fight card, a main event title fight at Bantamweight featuring Mick Mortimer versus as Patrice M. Payne. Tickets, cheap as. 45 bucks they start at, and you can get VIP front row for 85 bucks. I mean, the only place I've ever seen front row action at a fighting events is at that price is Thailand, when I went to Thailand. So, um, yeah, doors open at 6, action kicks off at 7.30. Um, unfortunately, Glenn's in Fiji, but I will be there. So if you're in town, and if you're not doing anything on Friday night, come along. It'll be awesome. And if you like to see uh, somebody get the shit kicked out of them and bowled out of them and blood fly and spit fly, it's a great place to be, mate. Well, I mean, the arena's got that, um, it's got the mezzanine sort of level yeah. there as well, and they're actually going to have standing seats there. So, I mean, the, the cage, I'm assuming the way it's going to be laid out is the cage will be sort of laid in the, where the main sort of mosh pit area was. Yeah. And then you're going to have people like looking down into the cage. And I just, I don't think there's anywhere else you can actually get that kind of view for like a cage fight. Exactly right, mate. If you haven't got any ticket, don't get in the ring because uh, <laughs> it's the only sport, I think, where you're actually allowed to kick them in the nuts so. <laughs> well like that, if you do it repeatedly they'll dock you a point but yeah. <laughs> but yeah when yeah. when when our MMA sort of first started off with the, the UFC and that it was pretty much no holds barred and they kind of reined in a touch just to make it a bit safer but um yeah it's still full on yep okay uh, I, th- I was going to go with the news first but I can let's go through let's, let's talk to let's talk to the choppy talk first because you were mentioning Twitter earlier yeah so uh I was going to just touch on a couple of a couple of points, um, just with you. Um, obviously, the deeds with Queensland are well known, so I'm not going to tread over old ground so much. I mean, everyone. I mean, and let's face it, you had your, your TV show at the start of every Origin this season as well, <laughs> where you and uh, you and uh, Fat the rest and, of the boys, and, and, the Maroon uh, 
Mar- Maroon Magic, they called it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Mighty Maroons. Oh, I don't know. What's a, what's a word for painful in, that starts with them? <laughs> well, if, if you're not a Queenslander, it would have been oh. pretty painful to oh. sit through, I could imagine. Oh, but, uh, you know, being a Queenslander and, and obviously being on the wave of such a enormous uh, amount of success in the last yeah. six years, it's a long time to sure. be dominant in state of origin. It, it really is. So, uh, you know, the Queenslanders just hung on every word. They loved it. Oh, it absolutely rated the house down. I imagine yeah. it would have. I mean, yeah. with the rating, the ratings would have been pretty much equal to the game itself. I'd imagine. Well, yeah. they weren't weren't quite, but they were pretty pretty well done up there. And yep. uh, you know, and I think the third game they were up against uh, Master Chef and uh, yep. and uh, Australia's Got Talent. Okay. So you know, two highly rating shows. Yep, but yep. Um, we gave them a nudge for their money, mate. Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, I mean during the first for the first Origin game they didn't have anything comparable on TV in New South Wales. No, but I no. think yours must have been they so successful. Find anyone smart enough down there, mate, to, to aim up? <laughs> well, they did, um, and then for games two and three, I think yeah. they did do like a the reverse show. Yeah, you know, no one, one fucking one, watched one it. One that one that was actually speaking the truth. And, yeah, you know, no, that, nobody watched wasn't, it. Wasn't so packed get, up with Gronk's talking shit. Nobody, ever, nobody even knew it was on. It was shit. <laughs> um, so, uh, first question. I mean, current role. Can you it, tell me one person that was on it? On the New South Wales, Wales version. Oh, Shim was Freddie. Um, no, no. Can you tell me exactly how? I live in Queensland. It wasn't. Exactly it didn't, right, air, it didn't air here. It did, no, it was, no one was interested. Not even the cockroaches. I had to watch your. <laughs> I had to watch your bloody show. And you loved it. You I did. Mean, if Channel Nine, if Channel Nine gave me a Foxtel push the red button thing, of course I would have pushed the red oh, button. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, if nothing, if nothing else, no, better exactly. looking. <laughs> so now, at the moment, you're working in uh, your business development manager for the Titans. So, just want to let the people know what does that involve? What do you what do you do? Well, for mate, Titans? Um, my connection with the Titans obviously is through the fact that I played for the Gold Coast when mm-hmm. they first came into the competition, and without trying to dredge up all the old ground, the club kicked off in 1988, and uh, Michael Searle was part of that team. Mm-hmm. So him and I played together. Uh, I was actually in the twilight area of my career, and he was an 18 year old coming on to uh, the you know beginning of his career so that uh, friendship developed and lasted and when he uh, got to the stage where he, he you know had the vision of yep. the Gold Coast having a team that was going to last for a start and be competitive well you know he contacted a few people that he probably thought would represent a little bit of history with the mm-hmm. club and he wanted me to be part of it from day one but I had a business at a hotel myself in, yep. in Queensland with my wife and and uh, you know it was quite a successful business so I wasn't in a position to be able to link up with them sure. uh, but I did sell that just before the uh, global financial crisis overtook the world and um, it gave timing. me a bit was of that, time. Was that, was that just lucky timing or was that you saw it was it absolute shit luck mate I'm telling yeah. you now I, I was so blessed that, uh, it, uh, that I just decided to do it right at that point of time and because the business was a strong business it sold really quickly yeah. and um, you know three months down the track mate it w- would have been a disaster mm-hmm. so I was, I was really extremely lucky there with the timing it was no, no uh, good management I can tell you but um, <laughs> Which allowed me then the time to to be down here with my you know with the with the club. Uh, there's a lot of uh, emotion attached to, to the club with me sure. uh, because I remember when we first kicked off, you know we were neither your ass nor your elbow. The the Sydney media wouldn't recognise us because yeah. we weren't in Sydney, and the Queensland media didn't want to recognise us because they didn't want to take away from the Broncos. Sure. So we're really left in no man's land without a lot of support, mm-hmm. and uh, we got treated pretty poorly, I think, by the uh, National Rugby League at the time. And there were some of us, you know, that felt that uh, we didn't deserve that, 
and yeah. um, you know I, I'm, I'm sort of on this journey now with the Titans because I do believe in them and I, I want to see the Gold Coast area particularly uh, now that they've got something to hang their hat on I want to see sure. everybody sharing the opportunity to be a national icon you know for a lot of other reasons than tourism which, which everybody yeah. takes for granted so you know I, I want to help hopefully uh, this club win a premiership Sure. And I don't want to wait 50 years to do that because I'll be fucking dead. <laughs> 44 years exactly as a Sharkies. Right. Of, yeah. as a Sharkies no. um, okay, so uh, on this, well, speaking of the Titans, on, on this very show, we've often commented on the Titans crowd numbers. I mean, we always come down for, uh, we're always down for All-Stars uh, test match. I mean, this year yep. we were down. Um, I'm always down for Manly games. Uh, Glenn's always down for the Tigers games. Um, and I think we're, we're coming down for a I think Parramatta game in a couple of weeks yeah. as well. Um, and we've often commented on the Titans crowd numbers at the games. Um, massive difference that I've noticed. The first game I came down here to, uh, to see it skilled was in 2008, it would have been, and it was when yeah. Manly played. Packed. Like it was, it probably wasn't full, but I mean, it was, it looked full. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty yeah. full, yeah. Um, fast forward to uh, my birthday this year on the 16th of May. It was a Monday night football game. I mean, admittedly, Monday night. Yep. The away supporters, Bay in the middle, packed, trailed off on the edges, and that was it. I mean, very, very it, few it people. Is, it is hard, mate. And I don't, I don't, you know, we haven't got one real answer to be able yep. to say this is why they're not here. But, yep. you know, and, and we can fairy, uh, fairy coat it or sugar coat it if you like. But my opinion is there's some, there's some um, generic problems, mate, that exist here. <laughs> one of them is the fact that the uh, there's no parking. Yeah. I think that's a huge impact on our on our uh, opportunity to uh, keep people coming to the game. Yep. Um, I think there's issues with our, uh, su- our catering supply and stuff like that that we should really try and address and make it more affordable and more, and better quality for yep. our, our family-style, you know, patrons. Sure. And um, I, I think without, you know, trying to criticise everything that everybody's done, our public transport really is um, a, a bit hard to use. It's... Yeah. it's we're trying to put, you know, people on a, uh, uh, get them to park and ride from Helensvale at times on a Friday night or a Monday afternoon when the uh, tr- the normal commuters are coming back from Brisbane anyway. So we're trying yeah, to jam, so packed anyway, yeah. yeah, you know, people onto a packed train and then on the way home we've, you know, it's it's do really they, hard. Do they, throw, so, do they throw many extra services on? I mean, my they only They do, experience... you know, and they do a great job and this yeah. is where it's really hard to get... To, to, to justify the criticism that I'm levelling and yeah. and um, you know I don't want to appear ungrateful because the, you know they have a, they are really trying their hardest to make yeah. sure that we get every opportunity we do we can to, to get a great home crowd here and you know it's just one of those things that um, uh, in Australia we've got an ageing population and the sure. Gold Coast is no different yeah. we're also you know in a, in a low socio-economic uh, arena on the Gold Coast which people don't you know take yeah. into, into account and uh, we're very much governed by the economy and, and where it sits at that time. Sure. And we haven't got the population that the other centres like Brisbane has, you yep. know, for the Broncos. And it does uh, sort of highlight the fact. Sure. So I think, um, you know, that because we're so young and, and we haven't, you know, most people that would be coming to the game would have uh, a second team or they would have sure. been supporting another team before the Titans before, came yeah. along and if there is a little bit of a downturn in the performance, then obviously, you know, it's easy for them to say, oh, well, I'll go back and be a Parramatta supporter or I'll be a Dragon supporter or whatever. 
Um, and, and we won't probably reap the benefits of, of what we're doing within the community, and we do an enormous amount in the community, until the kids that we're targeting, the 13 to 18-year-olds, start to get into a situation where they're making their own money and spending their own money, sure. and they are dead-set Titan supporters because sure. they were born on the Gold Coast, they grew up on the Gold first Coast, team they ever supported. and that's the first team they support. Yep. So at the moment, we're a lot of we're everybody's second team, Yep, and people drop off when that's your second team. You, you'll pay the money, as the uh, away bay demonstrated that mm-hmm. that night you were here, to go and watch Penrith play. If you're a Penrith supporter, and sure. if the Tigers, you know, play here, they get a lot of support. The Warriors get a lot of support here. The Warriors is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I remember the um, the Test match. It felt like there were more Kiwis in well, the stadium than there were Australians. Talking, I was having a talk to Clinton Tupi the other, or Torpy the other day, and Clinton reckons that the Gold Coast is the third largest city in New Zealand. So <laughs> uh, there's more Kiwis here. I think it goes uh, Auckland, Christchurch, Gold Coast. Oh, that that was amazing. Goes. When the crowd fired up at that Test match, it sounded like we were Wasn't in New Zealand. Wasn't it fantastic? It was, it was a brilliant. great night, you know. Yeah, and, it really was. And that's the sad part about it, because we have got an outstanding stadium. It, it is really a fantastic facility yep. to come and watch the game. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, I'd say this is like it would be in the top three stadiums in the no NRL. Doubt. I mean, no obviously doubt. you've got to have Suncorp there, and probably yeah. you put you throw Amy in there for the new one. No doubt Storm. in the world, mate. Yep. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's boutique, mate. Yep. It's not the same size as the others, but everything's there. I think the furthest seat away from the uh, the action is twenty seven meters. Yep. I mean, Lang Park, I think it's one hundred and twenty seven meters or so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, so there's there's a lot of things that, that obviously are affecting why the crowds aren't what they could be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're working on that constantly with the government and with the caterers and uh, uh, with the stadium owners yep. to try and make it a better experience and, and give more value sure. to the families that want to come and watch us play. But I can tell you this, the people that do come here that support the Titans, those face-painting, card-carrying, yearly members, they <laughs> are dead set nothing will sway them from being a titan supporter i agree and they are so passionate about this club and we love them so much because of what they do deliver in the atmosphere that that they're creating and, and growing and building on every year with the inclusion of the drums and yep, and I, yep. I don't think anyone knows this but kevy gordon has gone down the last three home games dressed as a, a titans warrior <laughs> with a black wig and a pair of plastic swords and a shield and gets in the middle of them all and bangs the drums and carries on, you know. And I actually want to talk about Kevin Gordon later. That's, that's, that's the effect me. that they're having. That's how good they are, our supporters. Yep. Uh, and, you know, they welcome that with, with open arms. So, and, and basically, that's how I started my journey on Twitter was to try and engage more with our, our um, you know, very diehard supporters. And uh, they deserve that. And, yep. and hopefully it's been a... Um, a little bit of a transition um, with a bit, bit more uh, connection with the players and the, sure. and the club itself. Because that's the unfortunate thing for, for us. I mean, we'll sort of, we'll slag the Titans crowd and all the fans to try and like rally them, you know, don't, don't don't bite back at us for saying no. it. You get your ass to the game, you know, like Absolutely. if you want to shut us up. And, and, yeah. But the problem is that the, the ones on Twitter and stuff and the ones who listen who would bite back, they're there anyway. You know, you and know those I mean? guys they're, are there. Titans are their life as yep. far as the, the and and it, and it's hard for them because they want to be able to you know bring yep. more people to the game and and mate they're travelling there's a core group that go to Sydney and they go up to to uh, Townsville when we play up there yep. and they're terrific people you know and they're shelling out all the time to be a, a supporter of the Titans and um, I'm I'm just trying to get back as much love to those guys as we possibly can and, and awesome. as much uh, affiliation with the team and out of that mate hopefully we can grow that that really strong Legionnaire base. 
sure, for sure. Okay, next topic I had down, Manly. That was, <laughs> we're talking on Twitter, and this is where, before the idea of getting you on the guest show, the show came from. But, um, these games for Manly. I've been trying to do some research See, for I you. I used to be an arsehole Queenslander, then, then you found out I played for Manly. <laughs> I, knew, the, I, knew, I knew you played for Manly, but I'll, it, I'll be yeah. honest though, I, I didn't realise it was 100 games. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, no, I was there six years. Yeah, I yeah. actually had a, a serious injury the first year I went there, so I um, tore my medial ligament and I was out for the majority of that, that first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had various other injuries throughout the, the first, or the early years particularly, uh, with torn calf muscles, torn thigh muscles. Yeah. So there was a you know there was a lot of time that I couldn't I wasn't on the paddock. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually they claim I, I played ninety nine games there. But uh, well, actually they the, the, this is the thing they they don't it's worse than that. Do they? Yeah. I did some research. Okay, and there's a rest a, a site called Yesterday's Hero. Yeah, I'm not saying you're Yesterday's Hero. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not today's yeah. hero, am I? <laughs> On Twitter, yeah. John, um, JPY, John they, Paul Young. They've yeah. got you. They've got you down a hundred games for Manly. Yeah. Um, NRL stats, hundred games. Uh, rleague.com, ninety-nine games. Yeah. And Wikipedia, which is not the most reliable source anyway, no. but ninety-nine games. Yeah. Now the discrepancy between the two that say a hundred and two that say ninety-nine are they come down to nineteen eighty-four, where the two that say ninety-nine only give you credit for eighteen games that season. Yes. And the other two say you played nineteen games that okay. season. That's the discrepancy. Anyway, I got in touch with Manly yesterday. Oh, you did. <laughs> well, I, I just thought, well, they uh, would have been excited about it, surely. I'm they, like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's this dickhead. Um, what does he want? Yeah. However, um, Larissa, who's, 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 <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Larissa, who's a membership manager, and she's yeah. on Twitter, and she's a members guru on Twitter. Yeah. She is awesome. One of the best things to happen that's, to that club for in, in the head yeah. office. Um, she she chased it up for me, and she said that their official record says ninety six. Yeah. All all four Manly's records and all the other four all credit you with thirty nine tries. Yeah. But ninety six. Well, I don't I don't understand because I mean, and I'm it's to me it's not such a big deal except for the fact is that they actually got me to lead the team out of Brookvale yeah. Oval for my hundredth game. Yeah. And grand and answer would have been sort of absolutely. Yeah. And I and to come uh, later on, you know, down the track and find out that they, you know, chopped me out of a few. Yeah. It really does surprise me. Now I know that they count all the games you play now as part of your career. Okay. They didn't do that then. Like uh, we played midweek uh, competitions. Oh, with, sure, of uh, course. The uh, National Panasonic Cup, KB Cup, whatever yep. that. Those games weren't allocated to a. As a club match. Yep, yep. I don't know why. We were, we no, were representing I mean, the club. Yeah. So I don't know why they weren't counted. And there were quite a few of those uh, games that we played for Manly. Mm-hmm. So even with, with those, you know, and played a few for Brisbane as well, but yep. they would they should have been or could have been counted as a, a, a game for Manly. And as yeah. I said, you know, it's going to go down in history and no one's give, going to give a rat's ass about it, to be completely <laughs> the fans, honest. The fans, Manly fans like myself, give a rat's ass. If you say 100, I say it's 100. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was well, talking I, to... I didn't count them. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go on what they tell me. Huh? They, uh, they had them kept their mouths shut, I'd accept it 96, you know. But fuck um, it, they started it. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to uh, the friend of the show, uh, Sean Fagan, who runs a uh, RL1908, who's a historian. Oh, okay. yeah. I was asking him about it yesterday, and he doesn't get involved in the stats because it is such a variable sure. kind of game. Yeah. And um, But he did suggest I get in touch with Mido and uh, David Middleton. So I've been in touch with Middleton. Yeah, well, and, he'll, uh, he's the guru. He's uh, accepted... 
as being the guru. He's the authoritative source exactly or whatever. Right. If he's whatever yeah. he says it is, goes. Haven't heard back from him yet though. Oh, so okay. I, I, unfortunately, yeah. I don't have he the might final come back answer. With 80, 88 or something. <laughs> I don't know. It is a gamble. I'm hoping he comes back with a hundred. But um... <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't, we live with the result. Land we do. And we get we on do. with our lives, mate. I know it stopped the nation, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> certainly gave me something to do for a couple of hours. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, it's not a bad. Um percentage of tries though is it like for, good for, good strike rate i yeah. mean you know yeah you, you're not brett stewart but i mean few people nah. are <laughs> <laughs> well you're allowed to tackle these you're, you're you're allowed you're not allowed to tackle these days like <laughs> the days that i did it you had to fucking watch someone going to take your head off while you were <laughs> running the ball and there's a little bit of footage i think of a couple of players uh, kurt Sorensen, to remember as one mate that just about uh, decapitated me at one Journey to the try line. Yeah. <laughs> no eight point try there. No, I think you're a rat's ass. They just said he didn't hit him hard enough. Yeah. Uh, um, finally, or oh, not finally, so with the social media and web, you've spoken about it. It's been a thread through our discussion already. But um, okay, you said you got started to you know interact with the Titans fans was, and, and get the players. It was my whole together. motivation, yeah. Because ultimately, I mean, in my opinion, and probably in a lot of people's opinion, I'd say that you're one of the top two guys on Twitter as far as rugby league is concerned. Uh, the other one being Mark Geyer for yeah, interaction with yeah. the fans. Well, he won't follow me, so I, don't, I stopped following him. <laughs> oh, the really? Big, yeah, the big gorilla. He can what? go and bite his ring. Well, let's stop. So, M- MG, MG was a, a guest on the show very early in the piece, uh, yeah. around the time when the Storm scandal broke last year. Yeah. So I have to, I'll hit him up about this. That's an outrage. Yeah, and I like him too. He's a good bloke, Mark. Yeah. But uh, he didn't follow the chop, mate, so I gave him the chop. Because <laughs> you, 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 you pretty much follow back everyone, don't you? Well, isn't that the polite thing to do? That's in my you opinion, You know, yeah. I mean, like... I really don't understand the theory that one person thinks they're above another person in life. Yep. I just don't. To me, that doesn't gel. And you see it so often with you know, uh, yeah, you know, celebrities and you know, yeah. elite sports well, people. And, and who things. the fuck they, they think they are? They follow fifty people, and then Absolutely, they've got like yeah. one hundred twenty thousand people. Yeah, or... their mothers should be slapping them under the ear and saying, you know, where are your manners gone? <laughs> exactly. Where are your manners gone? I mean, give everyone an opportunity, follow yeah. them up, and if they turn out to be a fucking wanker. Then Cut them get, off. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to keep following them, but well, I mean, exactly. give everyone the opportunity to be. And you know what? Footballers aren't any smarter than anybody else. I'll give you the tip. Most of them are dumber. So, so they shouldn't be sitting there all aloof and, you know, you get down there, all you subservient people, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll follow a couple of you. And they worry about their timeline. Fucking please. They're only on it for two minutes a day. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and you know, they, you don't have to be, you know, you can filter things into lists and that if you don't want it, you know, I mean. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's you, it's not that hard, is it? Yeah, and I think, I think... And that... it's not that important. I mean, at the end of the day, if you pick your phone up and, and there's 500, you know, things on your timeline that you haven't read, yeah. double-click the fucking things. I guarantee you, there'll be nothing in there about winning lotto. No. So, <laughs> so that's the only important thing you'd want to really... Yeah, yeah. Miss, wouldn't it? <laughs> so you may as well just give it a double click and say, "Sorry, guys, I yeah. didn't hear everything you said today." Yeah, and I mean the fans. But, what the fans get out of the actual, you know, like when they do get an interaction back. Yeah, I mean it's got to. I mean it's got to make them feel great. I mean, like a specific example for me, like just yesterday, yeah. um, someone, another manly fan. Uh, my, I've just announced that with my wife's pregnant with our second kid. Beautiful. So, Congratulations, um, mate. Thanks, thanks. Um, and I was talking on Twitter about how um, a couple of things, like how she was pregnant. During the yeah. two, when the 2008 Grand Final was on. So it's a scientific fact. She's pregnant now, so Manly are going to win this season as well. Oh, okay. And then, so that got retweeted around by the Manly Club, and that was funny. But, um, theory. And, yeah. I, and it's a true story. I had an argument with my wife. Um, we were having the uh, baby by cesarean, and so it was literally 10 minutes before uh, yeah. booked in. And, and I said to her, 
you know, we need to figure out, we had short list of names on, we need to figure out what the name, you know, yeah. we've got to come down. So we eventually, we, we got down and we, we got the first name we wanted, which was Killian. And we go, okay, great. What's the middle name going to be? And I said, well, it's going to be Menzies. <laughs> right? <laughs> After Beeve, you know, he's my favourite player. Yeah. And, um, and she's he's, like, he's no. played more games for Manly than anyone, has he? Or yeah, well, he's played tied tied most for every for yeah. um for all time games, yeah. you know, with uh, Terry Lamb. Yeah, and that will be broken by Lockie though later this season, you know, if he remains yeah. injury free. Yeah. Um, but she's like, no, no way, no way <laughs> in the world. And like, it's actually like a cool sounding name though. I mean, and she's like, no, because it reminds me of you know Robert Menzies and you know yeah. bushy eyebrows, yeah. blah blah blah. So like, okay, cool. And so we set off for something else. But I was saying on Twitter about how. I didn't get that story through the committee, yeah. and then Beaver replied back and said, Dude, "What's wrong with What's wrong with Menzies? Yeah, yeah, that's a great middle name." Absolutely. And so yeah. I forwarded that onto my wife's Twitter account, and then she's been going back and forth through now about you know having a bit of a banter about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Menzies might get a start yet. Hopefully, if it, you know if it's, a, if it's a boy next time, well, you, know, you never know. There you go, mate. Yeah. Maybe maybe Beaver himself can turn it around. But I Absolutely. mean that sort of stuff. I mean like you know even you know sort of five years ago, you couldn't get that kind of no, interaction no. With, the, with the players. No, you couldn't, mate, you know, and, and why? I don't know why he can't. I, I can't see the problem with it. I, I know that they're a little bit apprehensive, mate, to be caught in situations where yeah. somebody may set them up, you know. And, exactly. And, and that happens, and yeah. I can understand them to being apprehensive and nervous about that, but if they keep their wits about them and, and treat Twitter for what it is, yep. uh, a journey into the humorous and um, unknowing, yeah. and don't make it a, you know, a dating side or a, or a whatever, then yeah. then they're not going to get into any strife, are exactly. they? You know, then, and they're not going to be goaded into saying something about somebody that they shouldn't. They just need to have a few manners on there and, yeah. and follow a few people back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Speaking of you know, your followers, I wanted to bring. Out, we spoke about we spoke about Kyle in the before the K man. The K man has to be has to be one of your favourite guys. He um, is my <laughs> favourite. There's no doubt in the world. He's my favourite man on Twitter, and I've yeah. made it very public that he is. And you know he. He gets it right 99% of the time. He says things that the rest of us aren't game to say. Yep. He puts it in a way that I think is very, very funny. And a lot of people could possibly be offended by what yep. he says. <laughs> but when you cut through the bullshit and, yep. and work it out, he, he's just stating you know, what he, what he feels. And, and he puts it in a, in a colourful way. And, mm -hmm. uh, but he's also got the ability to be very tongue-in-cheek when he needs to be. And sure. um, as a result of that, he's very, very funny. And, and I think that... He, uh, he, he's the type of person that keeps Twitter what it is and, and keeps it at that elevated level of, of humour where everybody gets an opportunity to share Definitely. in something funny. And, and, you know, other people can do that and, and probably be offensive. Mm -hmm. But Kyle's got that knack, mate, that he can just say it. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I've got to stop reading it sometimes because yeah. I, I'm laughing that hard that yeah. it's just... It's so funny. And, um, yeah, so don't... Whatever you do, Kyle... Stay with us, brother. Yeah. And, we, and we love <laughs> Even though you're a Parramatta supporter, you can't help that, mate. No. You can't help that you were born down in that terrible part of the world. But yeah. uh, and, a, and a cockroach. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I would have thought everybody would have jumped off that fucking bandwagon by now. And uh, we, we love having him as a listener as well because he, uh, went, he was very late to get onto the show. Like, I don't think he got onto it until actually this year. Yeah. Um, but when he did, he went back and listened to all the shows Tell, throwing lines out from previous shows that I'd, I'd since forgotten about, and then every then every day he'd come out on the Thursday, and every week he'd come out, he'd, he'd be spruiking to everyone like to you, send it to yeah. Russell Crowe, so basically anyone on Twitter listen to this. Absolutely, show. and if you don't want to listen, he still blasts it out there, and yeah, I think exactly. that's great. You know, that's fantastic. So. Exactly. 
Um, he's got some very good descriptions of some of the people that we all love to hate too in the middle of the field, hasn't he? He does, he does. Yeah. And uh, we won't get too far involved. No. I'll <laughs> be very careful what I say about yeah, that. But, yeah, and actually, uh, I will, I will, I will say... Steve to say that the colour pink isn't his favourite. No, but, no. And, and just for, for people, um, obviously you've been, you've been very candid on the show, but I mean, we won't be delving into the referees too much because I found out today that... Um, if Chop were to say anything about the referees, it'd be much like if a coach said something in a post-match exactly, press conference, yeah. and uh, he'd be personally liable for the cash because the Titans aren't going to front up for it, are they? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> so, dumb. Shut your fucking mouth. They're, yeah. they're, they're not going to take the points for him, so we won't be talking about the referees. Um, and finally, um, and just another social media question: um, Kevin Gordon, KG, he's, yeah. he's, he gets he gets around on there all right, and. Um, Listeners of this show, they'll recall when he launched his new website. We had a look at it on, on the show and listened to some of his songs and, and watching his videos. And he loves like it. Well. He absolutely oh. loves it. Yeah. So, I so yeah. I don't so, know what level he's going to reach in the. So uh, you heard. Rap so, world. so you're familiar with the work of MC yeah, Kilogram. Absolutely. And, and what yeah. do you think about MC Kilogram's music? You know, I think uh, the great thing I like about it, mate, is that it shows that he's got a, a, a sense of courage about him and a yep. sense of confidence about him for a young man. You know that for sure. That is uh, really in a situation from his sporting achievements that, that sets him up for uh, for instant failure sure. every time he makes a mistake. Yep. But through his courage and his character, he's, uh, he's, he's been able to put all that aside and delve into something that it really is so unusual yeah. and so out there and so difficult. Um, I admire the fact that he's... He's he's done that, you know. Yep. He's he really has shown to me that he's much more than a rugby league player, and uh, he Kevin shouldn't be taken for granted in anything he does in life because he's got a wonderful sense of humour and um, he's got a, a great uh, knack for uh, looking after people yep. and being part of the of the club and and making sure that what he does off the field is just as good as what he does on the field. So, uh, and while he's doing that, mate, he's engaging more people and getting more fans. And, sure, and um, he's enjoying it. He's enjoying that part of his. Life. And how's his rehab coming along? Very good. Yeah, yep. he's still got a long way to go. I yep. mean, it was a really bad injury, yeah. unfortunately for us, and uh, and at a time that we didn't need it, you know. And he certainly didn't need it as a as a player either at his young age. But uh, the good thing about Kevin, and I know this will happen, mate, that he'll come back as strong as he was uh, before he left, and yep. um, he'll come back with the same sense of humour, mate, and the same sense of. Uh, uh, willingness to get out there and, and prove to everybody that he's uh, the number one winger in the competition. And he hasn't done that yet, but at some yeah. stage, that there'll be no doubt in my mind. Let's face it, he's got he, to be up there just in terms of sh- pure speed. Just speed, mate. And, yeah. and in rugby league, uh, speed is king, I yep. tell you now. If you've got genuine pace, you'll you'll go much further than anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what, what your position is. And um, uh, Kevin can honestly say he's... I'd hate him to be chasing me with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't get away. Yeah. We'd struggle to get two steps. Well, well, now exactly. Yeah, I'd want a Honda two fifty to get away. Yeah. Yeah, we have to get we have to get uh, the MC Kilogram to to put some put some a rhyme over the top of our theme music. Actually, well, actually he was on. Um, I noticed he was on the uh, Legion on podcast the, Legion cast, the other day. Yeah, yeah. and um, he's even got a different voice for when he gets on the thing you know he yeah. starts to talk a, lot, a little bit like the rapper and okay. everything else yeah <laughs> he's got his persona yeah yeah he he's already got it all mapped out mate so when you're getting one it should be a treat you, awesome. you'll enjoy it and i'm oh, sorry fi- and finally when i <laughs> when i introduced you as someone uh who is winning a lot of acclaim for the, the yeah the silver fox style oh, and, uh, please. 
<laughs> Gus Gould with his hair. Do you have any tips on? I don't because I mean, he's failing like miserably at the silver fox. I don't know what's going on there, <laughs> but he. I've never seen anyone turn grace quick as what he turned. It, it was almost overnight, it. but there was little. There were little sort of mangy patches of red still in it for weeks and weeks, <laughs> and as it's gone white, it's actually thinned out. Do you think? So, yeah. Do you think it was the? Do you think it was the colour that made it appear? I have no idea, but I think it's one of the uh, greatest uh, talking points on rugby le- in rugby league at the moment. How the Twitter's, Twitter's of going Gus's crazy. Hair. Every time that you know the roast or something's on, it's just like, what's doing with Gus's it does, hair? It's, it's even worse this week. It's there are worse. five. If you ever did a count on Twitter subject, yep. Gus's hair ranks every Sunday. For sure. It would be the number one subject on Twitter. Oh, absolutely. Between yeah. like you know, between twelve and one, That's without exactly. without a doubt. I mean, trending <laughs> in Sydney and Brisbane. It, the, no it's problem. like. Uh, you know, everybody's got an opinion on it, haven't they? they yeah, they, yeah. They really have. But uh, I don't know, mate. I'm, uh, whatever's happened to it, I hope it doesn't happen to me. <laughs> but uh, mine's, mine's white as it is. But, um, yeah. But you know what? It, it also makes him, I think it makes him look disinterested. Yeah. He doesn't look like he wants to be on the on the media anymore or, or yeah. on the TV. He just, he looks like it's a struggle for him. And I, I don't know whether that's the uh, added pressure from, Penrith, taken on the role at Penrith or, or whatever. Possibly, but, and he might see him scale back as a result of that, I guess. Yeah, but uh, I, I guess he'll have to, maybe from a... Yeah, well, I guess they don't, you know, channel He's going to end up bald if he does it. Something's going to happen. I don't think his head needs that. News. Okay, first story, expansion news. It was a big week in expansion news last week. Most notable story being the launching of the official name and logo of the prospective second Brisbane franchise. Chairman Craig Davison unveiled the name, the Brisbane Bombers, along with the team's official playing colours of navy, blue and orange at a major announcement last Thursday morning at Albion Park Raceway. Market research strongly recommended... uh, Bombers win over several other potential names, including the Braves, Bayliners... Which is what what the hell that is, and a and a barrack and barracudas. While the name might anger AFL officials and fire up fans of Melbourne club Essendon who believe the Bombers' name is their property, there are already instances of NRL AFL cross code clashes with West Tigers and Richmond Tigers, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs and Western Bulldogs sharing the same nicknames. The bid team's logo features a bomber pilot with Air Force wings, uh, with the name Bombers embroidered across the top of the pilot's aviator cap and goggles. The inner city trotting and greyhound complex Albion Park, a virtual ghost track these days, is rumoured as the Bombers' likely home base. Trotting and greyhound racing is relocating to a redeveloped $50 million multi-purpose track at Deegan on the north side. And uh, so with plans for state-of-the-art training fields, a community club, pool, gymnasium and administration offices, their setup would rival any in the NRL and it'd probably be, guess it'd be similar to the kind of setup you got here. Um, <coughs> The bid teams already flagged this interest in rugby union superstars Quade Cooper and Sonny Bill Williams and been approached by agents representing more than 20 NRL players interested in signing up. Bid directors Davidson, Nick Livermore and Bill Ray, who have dedicated thousands of hours to putting together their detailed expansion proposal, have letters of intent from about 20 players and a short list of coaching candidates and potential chief executives. So what did you think about the name? Yeah, look, um, and it's always going to be a difficult one to rename a team with, with so many teams around, sure. you know, and, you, and I've got to be honest, out of the ones you read out, the Bombers probably sits right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bayliner. What's a, what's a Bayliner <clears throat> anyway? It's a boat as far as I yeah. know. I mean, <laughs> who knows? But uh, I don't know um, whether the Essendon Bombers would have much opportunity to, to block them out based on the other information you've got. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's the thing. I never even considered yeah. the fact that Richmond tight. You know, I mean, that I did not think about it until I read the article. I thought, oh, shit, well, actually, you're right. 
Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe that isn't the exactly case for Essendon. Right. And I know Billy and Craig, good blokes, and Nick, yeah. mate, you know, and, and they're very determined. So, where where it finishes, I don't know. Ultimately, the NRL will have the final say on who the expansion teams are. And yeah. they'll have a little bit of input into uh, how they set up. Uh, but, you know, so far, so good. They seem to be talking the right language and mm-hmm. uh, uh, wouldn't be... Too bad to have a stadium right beside the Brecky Creek. I was going to say, and I could walk from work to exactly. one of those games. <laughs> yeah, so and I mean, Brecky Creek's not a bad uh, after-match clubhouse. Everybody you know? could get there by boat as well, mate. Yeah. Straight up, straight up to. Brecky I guess Wolf. if they're going to redevelop um, Albion Park there, I mean, so they'd probably have silks to be sort of set up yeah. again too, and you know, for corporate kind of thing. I mean, it'd be a good setup. It'd be a great setup, and yeah. it is a good area there. It's yeah. uh, it's probably uh, as good of area as what Suncorp would be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a railway line that goes out to Doomben along that. Uh, yep. That, yep. There's probably. Uh, I mean, like you, Albion stations are uh, probably a bit of a walk, but yeah. I mean, what, yeah, there must be something along that line. You think so? Yeah. yeah. So it, you know, it all it augurs well for those guys, and uh, they've just got to wait to see what the NRL does, I suppose. But sure. the good news about the expansion is, you know, if you look at all the clubs that are involved with expansion and the p- p- proposed uh, areas, Central Queensland, Central Coast, New South Wales, mm-hmm. West Australia. Yep. You know Brisbane. Uh, what PNG that means, as well. absolutely, yep. yeah. What that means, mate, is that uh, there's a lot of interest in rugby league and yep. a lot of opportunity, and and it's great that our game is so popular that uh, and continuing to continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. All the figures that come out of the NRL, yep. you know, really puts us out there as the most marketable sporting product in the country. For sure. So for sure. Uh, it's great that uh, everybody wants to be part of that. So with those, uh, with the, the the other cases, I mean, um, in my opinion, I mean, which is you know. <laughs> Who cares? But <laughs> I think Brisbane. I think there is a good argument for a second Brisbane team. Given, well, there is. Given not everybody's Sydney, a Broncos supporter. Exactly. And yeah. I, and speaking from my personal perspective, like my father, when Super League kicked off, so did he. He was like, "That's yeah. it." And he wiped it. And he watches Origins and he watches Tests. Yeah. No interest in the Broncos exactly at all. Right. Another team comes in, he'll be on it. I, I would. I would think that there are so many people in Brisbane that would be like that. Yep. And uh, that's no detriment to the Broncos either. You know, they've no. got a great uh, base. A really strong support base. Uh, they got a lot of followers. So uh, with that population, you know, you can afford to to bring another team in there. Well, and it's I mean, not going to affect anybody here. It's not going to no. affect the Gold Coast no. because we've got our area. We've got our catchment area. Not to mention your corridors expanding as Absolutely. well. Anyway, you yeah. know, northward as, it is. Pop, as, as the states of Coomera and the rest corridor. of it keep growing yeah. bigger and bigger. With with the you know southern Logan areas and yep. uh, that western Ipswich corridor, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's just booming through there. Yep, yep, for sure. And I mean, Brisbane's not like well, how many teams are there based in Sydney? Like you know, half a dozen, six, seven. Yeah. I mean, like Brisbane's not. About four too many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Brisbane's not Brisbane's not one. I didn't include Manly there, no, 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 no. They're fine. You lead them, they're lead okay. The, they're, lead the peninsula. They're out on their own, mate. Yeah. They're isolated. Flying high under the radar. They, they um, <laughs> should be quarantined, really. But Brisbane's not one sixth the size of Sydney. I mean, it's, you know, like that. No. So they can certainly support at one other side. I mean, no doubt in the world, mate. Okay. No doubt um, in the world. And so, in your opinion, who do you think who do you think would be? I mean, if they're going to add. I'd assume they'd add two at a time just to keep it for for scheduling. Well, you would think just from a balance point of view, but yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I know that um, if you talk to the guys from Central Queensland, they think they should be the next franchise. Yeah. If you talk to the guys from Brisbane, they think they should be the next. They've certainly you, made a lot of ground in a very short exactly time, right. haven't they? If you talk to the guys from Gosford, they think they should be the next franchise. So I, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm personally against, I mean, you know, and I'm going to get smashed for this uh, online too, but uh, I'm against the Central Coast because the whole Northern Eagles era and the way that the, the yeah. Central Coast people responded 
to that to to having a side there and like purposeful boycotting and things like that. I mean, yeah, they kind yeah, of you're not, it's not a great future. It's not, not no. a great platform for the future no. for there, is it? But on the other hand, I am thankful to them because I got Manly back as a result yeah. of that. <laughs> but yeah. uh, PNG, I mean, I'd be interested to see. I mean, you know, they. Oh, I think there's a lot, a lot of, of water P- under the bridge, mate, to uh, get PNG yeah. into the competition. I think there's a lot of issues just yeah. in the country itself to get a team. But I mean, there as is. far as actual the people there, the I interest, mean, they would absolutely. It's crazy, mate. That was a crazy area. Did you get up to PNG? At I all? did, mate. I yeah. played up there for the Gold Coast when they yeah. first came into the competition. We did a a preseason um, a trip where we played at Townsville, Cairns, and Port Moresby. Yep. And uh, it was an eye opener. I can tell you that uh, the experience that you get uh, going to a rugby league game there, particularly as a player, yeah. is frightening. Yeah. You know, they rock the bus. They. Yeah. They. You know, it's just mayhem and mm-hmm. and bedlam and. Uh, Everywhere you go, you need to be protected. You, you yeah. can't just, you know, wander out of the dressing sheds into the crowd because yeah. nobody knows what's going to happen. And yeah. um, the police are carrying machine guns protecting. But, to but get it would out be the, it would be like a, the danger wouldn't come from someone actually wanting to harm you. Just a danger of like a, a well, mob, a well, mob situation. With... The problem is they don't know. Okay. They, because as, as many supporters as what they've got up there, there's some factions up there too that would probably use those public events. Sure. To make a statement. Sure. So the problem they have is they don't know, they yep. don't, and they don't know how. You know, you can't pick who's the who's the good guys and, and the yeah. baddies are. In a game situation, how do they keep the, the crowd under control? They just stand there with machine guns, literally just like line the perimeter sort of thing. Absolutely, and they're hanging <laughs> off trees and branches and and so forth because they love it so dearly. Yeah. Yeah. And the players are so hard, like they're tough, and, yeah. and they take it seriously and. Uh, you know, we uh, we played them up there. They beat us. They yep. beat the Gold Coast when we went up there. And um, I think there was uh, 11 Kummels in, their, in uh-huh. their side that played that day. Uh, but they play a wonderful brand of rugby league that's very tough and very expansive. And, sure. uh, you know, there's a great case to, to have a, a nation like, you know, Papua New Guinea come into the competition. But uh, I think there's a long, long yeah. way to go before that. It'd be that's great to reality. lay some sort of groundwork maybe like with uh, For sure. scho- like the clubs providing scholarships to a couple of... Prospective, well, I think you know, there has to be a lot more internal stability up there yeah. yet before it actually could be a goer. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I mean, with what you were just saying, then I mean, the logistics of game yeah, day for anybody is, yeah. would be. Yeah, I'm no political activist or anything no. like that, but I do know that there's certain you know basic things that would need to be absolutely rock solid before they could you know play games up there like sure. that. Okay, next story, the Doggies coaching situation. The Bulldogs CEO, Todd Greenberg, says the Bulldogs will go through an exhaustive and time-consuming process before appointing Kevin Moore's successor, with the prize coaching gig rumoured to be a two-horse race between Ricky Stewart and Nathan Brown. Greenberg said he had not even spoken to another coach yet and would interview up to 10 potential targets before making a recommendation to the board. Moore last week walked out on the rest of the season after being told he would not have the job next year. A decision could be months away, Greenberg said. Nothing at all has been decided and won't be for quite some time. With players still coming to terms with Moore's departure, Greenberg revealed his inbox had been flooded with expressions of interest from well-qualified candidates. There's been reports of former South Coach Jason Taylor, Panthers caretaker Steve George Alice are among those who will be seeking an interview for the role. Other names, Nathan Brown, Mick Potter, Terry Madison, Ricky Stewart, and of course Steve George Alice, as I just said. 
Mate, there's always a lot of buzzers out there waiting to are pick there? the carcass clean, aren't they? <laughs> are there? Are there? You know, and, and I feel sorry for Kevin Moore because I don't think that's his. Re- I don't think it's his fault that the club is doing what they're doing. No, um, I think the players have got to take some responsibility in the outcomes of the games. Agreed. And I, I think the coaches are a guide, and um, they shouldn't be put into this situation. Now, Kevin Moore is a particularly uh, good example of this because he is a bulldogs man through and through. He was He's born blue life. and white. Yep. His father was one of the instrumental reasons why that club is the success it is today. Mm-hmm. Why would you challenge anybody or take anybody out of the equation the way they have that yeah. believes and loves a club as much as what he does? Yeah. I don't understand that. And I don't understand or accept that any of the players that were nominated... In, in, in as the, the group that approached the, apparently and I complained. don't think there's any one of them that yeah. you would categorically say would do a better job than what Kevin Moore is doing. No. And then, I mean, then the, the players themselves said, hang on a minute. Yeah, well, they we should get we the players yeah, in a line did, and yeah, slap them all that. about the face a little bit and say, <laughs> you know, how, do you, how are you going to sleep at night yeah. when you've caused, you know, they're, they're the, the ones that have caused this. Yeah. So I don't understand that. And, and I feel sorry for Kevin and his family. Mm-hmm. And it's a very large extended family that are all blue and white. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's a real slap in the face. And, and um, that's, just, that's probably the most I should say on it. Yeah. And um, I just... I hate the way that the the buzzards are circling the carcass, waiting to pick the bones yeah. clean. I, I wonder if um if any any role that Kevin did have in his own demise would maybe he just didn't he, he kind of believed I believed in certain players too much maybe too longer than he <coughs> needed to this Poss- week possibly too mate because this what, week what, Dimmick's putting the broom through and uh, and drops the think it's going to make a difference. I guess we'll find out exactly yeah. right. And, I mean they're only playing Parramatta this week, part. so so you know and and, and Kevin's probably. Um, in a situation where he's damned if he does mm-hmm. and uh, damned if he doesn't because if he sticks solid to his tried and true, yep. you know, he's, he's he's probably leaning towards a safer option. Yep. If he ditches those and puts a heap of young kids in there that probably deserve their chance and then they don't fire, yeah. well, he's, uh, you know, he's still on the slippery dip. He's got one leg in the grave mm-hmm. and one on a banana skin. <laughs> yeah. So whichever way he goes, you know, as soon as they start to target the coach, they're in a no-win they'll situation. Find, they'll find the something exactly bad, right. the downside to everything No does. doubt in the world, mate. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, the supporters come into it then and they jump on the bandwagon and the voice becomes louder, mm-hmm. the drums get beaten and uh, the message gets out there that the coach has got to go. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that the, the only bloke that you'd have any confidence in saying would do a better job than he would if you could get him would be Wayne Bennett yep. but he's already taken he's yep. out of the night <laughs> exactly do you think that uh, I mean this is something like I guess it, uh, it comes back to the Titans a bit do you think that uh, the, the early season signing of, uh, of Idris has had a destabilising effect on the club at all? Not at all. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what sort of effect it's had, to be yeah. quite honest, but I don't think it's been a destabilising effect. I think the club was well into the uh, the way it's playing now before they did, made that decision. Um, I also think that, um, you know, it's probably had a, a uh, positive effect on the region as far as yeah. having the ability to be go, able to go out there into the marketplace yeah. and and get new players here. Yeah, uh, Because sure. there's not a club that survives in the NRL without replacing their playing roster. Yep. That's just a given. It's it's an, un, oh, for you guns, guys, it's I, an unsightly act. It's, yeah. it, it upsets the fans every time. It upsets your loyal players, the players that have given everything for you. Yeah. But there's no other way around it. You can't yep. let the players play until their teeth fall out. 
Yeah. Well, I think for you guys, I think you, I think the interesting is it's great. I mean, it is, it, and yeah. you're going to get so much out of it, especially with all you know, like your media and things. There's I mean, no just, doubt about that. It's I mean, a marketable guys. Don't, yeah. You know, they don't come much more marketable. And the other guys it. made a, a really good players like yeah. Nate Miles. He's current. Yeah. I think he's one of the best forwards in the game, and and yep. uh, Luke Douglas, you know, he's a, he's a monster. Another one, another one. Ray yeah. is one of the best young crops in the game. You know, and um, Bo Cham, you know, yep. I, I just think that he's, um, you know, a, an exciting player, and young Bo Henry gets his opportunity this week. And yeah, uh, yeah. But what's what's in the story with Bo Henry? Oh, I suppose we get to it later. But yeah, what what's the story with Bo Henry? How long was it taking him so so many weeks? He's had actually? an injury, mate. Oh, he's been injured. yeah. He, okay. he, he virtually came here and injured his back. Okay. And I don't know if it's a recurrence of a pre. Previous injury that he had, he, yep. whether he just stirred that up or it was actually a new injury, but basically, yeah, he injured it okay. the week he came here, and uh, uh, unfortunately for him, it looks like he's been <laughs> left out in the cold. But, uh, you know, I think it, it was pointless to try and rush him in yeah, to yeah. the situation and risk further damage because he's only a kid; yeah, he's still a boy for sure, yeah. for sure. Okay, next story. Um, do you play fantasy football? Or Super no, Coach mate. League? No, I don't. I, <laughs> it, it would be too, far too frustrating for me. I, yeah. I, I, I'm too uh, impatient, and yeah, I, I just couldn't do it, mate. I, I'd want to snot somebody or rip somebody's throat out or whatever. And, yeah, and um, you know, I'd be a pain in the ass to be around if I had to. <laughs> it's bad enough having to put up with. Yeah, the real life stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let alone creating more dramas for yourself off the. Especially if you pick the yeah. Titans player and you sign, you're like, look, you only got thirty points for me, exactly, mate. What are you yeah, doing, you prick? <laughs> <laughs> but um, super coach, yeah. super coach uh, players will will be well aware of the fact in Monday night that Paul Gallen uh, went off early with an injury. Super coach players and Sharks fans alike mourn because he's critical to both to both groups of yeah. people. Uh, this, this, as the story says, Gallen cut a lonely figure on the sideline midway through the second half. His right calf heavily iced as he watched his teammates run out of answers against the Dragons. No side relies as heavily on one player as the Sharks do on Gallon, and he's unsure if he'll be fit for Saturday's home clash against Newcastle. Um, as of as of right now, he basically says it's a bit sore. He can't run. He couldn't keep running on it um, during the game, and he doesn't know when he will. I, mean, I guess it's going to be a couple of days rest. He's never had a calf problem in the past, and injury wise, he's actually never really been no, you know been that unlucky. Um, but yeah, he was off immediately when it happened. I mean, so it must have felt you know. Potentially, yeah, really you know, when you yeah. injure yourself, you know pretty much straight away, you know, what your body can do. And there's certain injuries, particularly with calf muscles, mm-hmm. I know that for a fact I've torn a hundred of them. <laughs> that as soon as you do it, there's yep. no going forward, you, yep. you, you've got to get some treatment. And uh, um, it's a really tricky one to treat as well because it can keep recurring, sure, yeah. And um, and as far as um, you know, the the coaching thing, the yep. fantasy coaching thing. Obviously, he's an integral part of the the Sharks. Yeah, uh, and I think he's um, he's probably lifted the performance of the whole team, though. So the oh, one absolutely. thing that they've got in their favour is they're probably in a better position now to handle the departure of of sure. Gallon through injury than they were at the start of the season absolutely. or even last season. So I think that the way he's played, the way he's developed as a leader. Yep. and cut the shit out of his game that he had, that yep. crap that he had where he... Was, Basically the grub stuff. Yeah, the know. grubby stuff yeah. that he didn't... You know, he's such a talented rugby league player. Yeah. He didn't need to have that in his game. And uh, the one thing that I'm very, very um, pleased to see is that uh, he's cut that out of his game. For sure. And as and a his result play's of that, improved massively, hasn't it? Hugely. I mean, I mean he's, he was good. he's a New South Wales captain yep. because of it. Um, and, you know, he's going to determine a lot of respect in the future mm-hmm. for the club yep. and uh, for his state and most likely for his country. 
and that's a credit to him. And, yep. and I congratulate him for for that. And let's hope for the Sharky's sake and for Supercoach play. I mean, like for me personally, my it takes my a side, lot for me to say that about a co- uh, cockroach. I was going to say that was that was that was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> you could almost <laughs> call him a Queenslander. Yeah, I might, I might play. I might, I might just cut that cut that out and, uh, and play it around Origin time next season. <laughs> Put it on the PA at the Caxton. Yeah, no, that's like okay. That. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know with Supercoach, I'm, I'm, I'm too frightened to go to the Caxton anyway. So why worry me? Oh, they're not as scary. But, as oh, they that's a scary zone up there. They act like they're scary, but I went there all fully done up in blue stuff and nothing. Happened. Yeah, they probably thought you weren't the full quid. That, you, you know. <laughs> probably right. And yeah. finally, speaking of origin and grumpy Queenslanders, let's touch on the tail end of the saga of Cranky Mal Meninga. Um, his manager, Jim Bannigan, is uh, confident that offers of a bucket appeal to fund the Queensland origin coach's legal defence <laughs> will not be necessary and the dispute will be resolved without going to court. The match review committee panel of Greg McCallum, Peter Louis, and Bradley Clyde began defamation proceedings in the New South Wales Supreme Court against Meninga last Friday over comments he made in the infamous newspaper column alleging the Maroons had to overcome a conspiracy by officials to win a record six consecutive state of origin series. Demands for a full-page apology and retractions in the Sunday Mail were rejected and legal papers due to be served I think yesterday uh, they would have they? they would have gone yeah, yeah. Um, he'd be shaking in his boots it's, <laughs> it seems to be I mean it seems to be that they think it, it's not going to end up in court he probably he'll die down a bit and he probably will end up issuing an apology of some sorts I doubt it uh, really I not don't, I don't just, how do you, how I don't, how do you think Mel, it'll be resolved no I'm Mel the way it is I don't know how it'll be resolved and um, it's an interesting one because uh, you know, Mel is a very unique character. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of resolve and um, he's got a lot of determination. And it it really was evident in the way that he played rugby league. And uh, for him to get to this stage, to come out and really, you know, stick the boot in <laughs> to the extent that he has, yeah. he must believe in what he's saying. Yeah. So, do, so do, if he in feels opinion, he's got no reason to apologise, I can't see Mel bending to an apology. The, the language coming out of both sides seems to be that they don't want to give a black eye to rugby league, though. So, do you think on that basis, maybe he might sort of? Well, you know... I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> it, um, I think uh, you know that they're being a little bit precious, and and I think that any organisation that sets themselves up uh, that can't be criticised yeah. is really a waste of waste of time. I think. I think and and, and bit... I don't know whether you know that the, the the guys that um, at the uh, coalface need to be criticised I don't know whether the guys in the judiciary are responsible for the stupidity of what's happened yeah. I think that the rules have put them in that position yeah. with the carryover points and all those sorts of things sure. that they have to deal with and I think as a result of that it was very frustrating for Mel to keep his mouth closed Yeah, and I think that by doing what he's done maybe has highlighted a system that doesn't work Yeah, and if that's the case and as a result of that, we get some changes to an unfair system. Yeah, yeah. Then I think that that will be the result that Mel might be looking for. Maybe so. Do you think it's yeah. some, something laying some groundwork for? for oh, the I next, hope it is, mate. I mean, series. I mean, I'd like to think that there's an outcome for everybody that's positive, and I really think that our system is is not doing what it's going to do. And, and the reason I say that is because for me, a spear tackle is a spear tackle, regardless of the intent or mm-hmm. the opportunity for the player to protect themselves. Yep. During that tackle, the action remains the same. Sure. Therefore, every time there is a spear tackle, the opportunity for a player to break his neck, crack a it's, vertebrae, yep. get killed, yep. be permanently disabled, is there. Mm-hmm. There should be no distinguish between what was done before yep. and what could happen after. Sure. It should be dealt with 
at the moment. Oh, on the basis of that one on particular incident. On the basis of that thing, there should be a penalty dished out for that tackle. But and do if you it's think... five weeks, then keep it at five weeks. Yep. And if it's a not a scary looking one, it's five weeks. If it is a scary looking one, it's five weeks. But, in, but it, don't. How would you handle it with someone if uh, you know a repeat offender then who did who had it in the, who did it often? Yeah, stand them down. Yeah, stand them down. Yeah. So, no, so, no so the penalty would carry over points. Okay. You know, let's be fair to him about it and 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 look at it and say, well, you know, the the same people are watching the same games week in week out. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a carryover. Yeah. Uh, point. And and you know by having a carryover. I think it doesn't allow for the danger of the tackle to stop. It only no. allows for those that are doing it regularly. Yeah. And my point is that whoever does it, whether it be Aquiluate, yeah, or whether it be the guys that tip David Taylor on the head, on his head yeah. in the State of Origin game, yeah, or whether it be David Taylor itself, so, yeah. the seriousness or the potential seriousness for the outcome for the player that's lifted doesn't change. Yep. Therefore, the penalty should be there to protect every player sure. against every other player, not just a selected few that are doing it more often than the others. Sure. Maybe you break your neck, you break your neck. There's no, it's no, a broken neck is no worse being done by somebody <laughs> yeah. that's done one the first tackle attend, uh, yeah. to somebody who's done 100 yeah. lifting tackles. I think that's maybe, the part that I don't Maybe I the answer see. then, to, for, from, from your point of view, maybe the answer is the base penalty should be worse. Because obviously Iwate, you know, got off entirely. Yeah. And whereas Days Taylor, he had he had a history of doing things. So the, the carryover points are what gave him That's such exactly a long term. Right. Maybe the long term is the default, and then because the, exactly I, right. I can see why the carryover points exist. It's a mathematical way to try and uh, punish repeat offenders by you know making. It doesn't you know, stop those players being put in a precarious no, position. Though. No, absolutely not. It doesn't stop injury. It no. just stops a player that's doing it all the time. It doesn't lessen. Yeah the opportunity for a player to be hurt. And I, and I think on that basis, they need to find a better system. Yeah. And with the judiciary, I mean, that was obviously, that, that was the, you know, wore some of the brunt of Mal's <laughs> outburst. Um, yeah. With those, with those guys. Um, well, I think, of, I think it all stemmed yeah. from the fact that they criticised his ability as a coach. That's I think that's what originally got his back up. I think that, that up, really yeah. got him looking for things that... Uh, that he wasn't happy with. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's not one thing that he said that I don't back him on. Yeah. I really, and, and I, I think it's highly arrogant and very much orchestrated, the criticism of him oh, yeah. as do not I mean, being able to coach. Do you, do you not, not just put that down as like sort of the gamesmanship that they that happens I think at that it time goes beyond anyway? that. I think it goes beyond that. I think that the players that uh, go into that situation, yeah. whether it be for New South Wales or Queensland, they're open slathered to the public, yeah. granted. But you know what? From the people that are running the game and from the people that have been administrating the game, they should be supported. Yep. And if that was the case, there should have been a, a statement come out to say, "Hang on a minute. He's our. He's one of our. He's one of the coaches of the best series of games we have in our competition. Yep. The absolute pinnacle of rugby league is State of Origin. It is the jewel and the crown. It's the cash cow. So for the NRL, so late, you know." They should be able to stand up for those guys and yeah. say, hang on, you know, whoever is responsible for the statement, they should have been able to come out and say, what a load of crap. Yep. You know, and I think that that's, he didn't get the support that he, and that's, and that's that he not felt even, he should have. And I think that to an extent, I mean, this this raises a much bigger issue as well of like the way that the NRL allow the media to run things anyway. I mean, if you look at Victoria, 
if the newspaper down there runs something about an AFL player or yeah. side that uh, Demetrio doesn't like, he will just black bar that yeah. <laughs> that publication or that that journalist. Exactly right. They're because out. he demands that respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, yeah. I mean, like places like the Telegraph. I mean, Daily Telegraph. They they run a muck over player incidents. You well, know, let's hope. Up. Let's hope that the uh, new commission mm-hmm. goes a long way to creating a fresh environment for the face of rugby league and those who yep. run the game and that there are some ground rules established that everybody knows they can't overstep. Let's hope so. Yeah. And so, so with, with, with Mal, I mean, you, you, you actually been involved in the Queensland camps yeah. during that period of, of him coaching. Exactly. And uh, yeah, how, did, how do you find him as a he's coach? A, I mean, comparing... You, I mean, you've he's been a very a good coach. I mean, yeah. you don't get that role unless you can coach. And, yeah. and Paul Vorton was another example, like... You know, and, and but not trying to get off Mel's case. Mel's a very good coach. Yep. There's no risk about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Michael Hagen is a very good assistant coach. And that's the reason he's there doing the job with Mel. Yep. Um, but Michael Hagen had a go at coaching. Yeah. And realistically didn't get the same results that Mel Meninga did. That's right. Now, there's a lot of variables there that you've got sure. to take into account. But at the end of the day, I think the thing that Mel brings, as well as his ability to read and understand the game, and let's face it, he played a lot of them. For sure. So he's <laughs> got to have a little and bit Origins of, uh, as well, yeah. Exactly well, he's right. He's right up there. So at that level, he's probably played more than most. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, he brings that with him in his arsenal as a coach, and he also brings a, a, a commanding respect from those players that sure. he's coaching. And I think that that's where it lies in a nutshell. And you know what else? It goes. It shows me great confidence that he's got in himself and those that he's working with to allow them to talk to the team with the candor and the uh, extent that they do okay. allow the assistant coaches in there. To me, that's a, that's uh, something... So the assistant coaches in the, in the Queensland Orange side, would you say that like as compared to other sides you've played in and, and been around, they, they would have more, like, more of a voice than an assistant coach would normally get? Absolutely, yeah. and, and and you know what? It was the same when Wayne Bennett was doing it, yeah. and it was the same with all the coaches that I worked with in the arena. Yeah, the assistant coach always had a very strong voice. Yep, in the in the competition in that state of origin uh, competition, but the coach was always the coach. Yep, and he dictated exactly how everything uh, was put together and how it unfolded, sure. and there was never any uh, clarification needed in that. Okay. And they're certainly not in Mel's case either. Sure. So okay. Yeah. So the final word. The final word on the Mel thing. You don't think there'll be any sort of apology whatsoever? I hope not. I, I hope he doesn't apologise. I just had this I, I hope that, that I hope that somebody finally stands up. Yeah. For the game itself. Yeah. Uh, because I totally disagree with an organisation that doesn't allow itself to be criticised. Yeah, I think looking at, looking at it from the, the judiciary's perspective, because they are actually, you know, judiciary guys, maybe yeah. they see that their integrity is something that's obviously critical to how they're perceived, and yeah. so attacks on that needed to be defended or something like that. Well, he didn't actually but, name any names, did he? Well, no, that's right. And, you know, under that... And, and there's no real clarification that he was picking on any any yeah. one individual. I guess the inference I think is... He was... I think his inference was to the system yeah. and to the unfairness of the system, yeah. not the unfairness of the individuals. Although he did highlight, you know, like Dave Taylor and that. So I mean, <laughs> <there are laughs> well, you've got to have you've got to have something to compare with. But, but you, you? yeah, and you also know. I mean, if there was like a some sort of overriding NRL slash New South Wales what conspiracy to cheat do, Queensland, what they should do is yeah. get a boxing ring, yeah, and get Mel in one corner, three of them in the other, and the other judiciary in the other corner, <laughs> and let them fight it out. <laughs> My money's gone on Mel. <laughs> 
Did you see it? Jacko, wacko, Jacko. Oh, that? the charity thing? Yeah. yeah. My God. That's the last time he'll ever step into the ring. With. Now I'll give you the tip. Recaps, first game, Friday night football, New Zealand Warriors 36 defeated the Canary Bulldogs 12. Doggies came out fast and looked like they were going to prove the old uh, new coach turnaround rule to be correct as they raced out to a 12-0 lead after no time at all. First try went to right following a kick from Ben Roberts and shortly after Steve Turner grabbed the try as well. The Warriors were quick to respond once they got into their groove though. First try went to Elijah Taylor and following the conversion to Maloney it was 12-6. Before the halftime break the Warriors were in again, this time Maloney running one in after a Mannering offload. His conversion levelled the scores and we went to the half-time break tied at 12. Maloney continued on from his first half form. His kicks earning several dropouts in the second half as he pinned Ben Barber down. The Warriors grabbed their first lead of the match through a simple try to Hohaya and this was followed up by another to Heron Meyer as the Warriors started to ease away from the Doggies. The news only got worse for the Doggies with further tries to Mateo and right on full time Heron Meyer grabbed his double to see the final score blow out to 36 points to 12. Taking a look at Twitter for this game, we had a comment from Ben75 with two N's. Well, I got one out of two tonight. My doggies just can't catch a break. It's been one of those years. I have to say, um, unfortunate for doggies fans, that tend to be the the, the general sentiment after the game. Uh, GT351Johns. This is the most depressed I have ever been as a Bulldog supporter for four decades. There were signs of improvement, but only for 20 minutes true true and finally a Warriors fan backwards sit said I left my phone on the plane got wet was freezing but it was all worth it for a magnificent Warriors victory over the Bulldogs as you guys know I put it out there for uh, fans of the show and listeners to uh put their uh, two cents in uh, for each of the games to kind of play uh, you know big Glenn for the week and uh, the first one we have is uh, the aforementioned GT351 Johns who actually sent us in a Twitter a Twitter comment on the game he's also sent in uh uh, an audio comment too, so let's see what he had to say. Hi, this is GT351 underscore Johns. Um, filling in for Glenn this week on a recap or thoughts on the Bulldogs Warriors match. Uh, first of all, say it was always going to be a tough one for the Bulldogs after a pretty horrid week with coaching issues, travelled to New Zealand playing strong warrior side as well who can when they want to perform quite well now and then the sacking of more the day before the game it's always going to be a tough game for the doggies let me say before i get into the recap one i am now always have been always will be proud to be a bulldog just remember that twill listeners hash proud to be a bulldog with all your tweets if you're on twitter world go for it and uh, anyway the game itself started off quite well for the Bulldogs. They went into more of an attacking mode than they have been in the last few weeks, which is good to see. Played a bit deeper, uh, more expansive style. I think Josh Morris saw the ball more in the first 10 minutes than he has in the last two months in this game, which is good to see. Um, It's also got uh, a lot better Roberts kicking game was a bit more improved than it was the week before, starting with Roberts over Keating. Probably a good way to go. Caught the Warriors by surprise, and the NRL now has find the mighty Bulldogs for that. Uh, breach notice. Uh, 
it's, so yeah, that first 10-15 minutes for the doggies was much better, much more composure, deeper attack, better passing, better kicking, less errors than normal. Uh, their second try was a lucky try from the bounce, admittedly. They got it in there, but the fact that the mighty Steve Turner, who's been probably the Bulldogs' best week in, week out, was there on the spot to get it. Um, other than a Benji Marshall type kick for penalty goal from Turner, again he was solid. And after that, the Warriors, even though being 12 0 behind, still always looked quite comfortable and like they were always going to be able to run over the top of the Bulldogs, which history now shows they did, unfortunately. Uh, the, the Warriors kept their composure, kept coming. Once they started scoring points, you saw the Bulldogs' head drop. Confidence went down again. And that was all she wrote, unfortunately. And even though they went to the Oranges being on equal terms, you knew the Warriors were coming out stronger. And unfortunately, New Zealand discovered their kicking game and started bombing Bulldogs back through, which again, lack of confidence caught them out unfortunately, and it showed. Uh, not to say that they're not awesomeness, because it's remember a month or so earlier, Barber's been pretty good under the high ball all year. It's, it's a confidence thing with all the Bulldogs at the moment. There was good signs that they are on the improve and that they're getting back to where they should be and the team that they are, and I can pretty much safely say I think we'll see a much more improved Bulldogs this week and hopefully they can take it to those horrible eels and we should show them so yep remember proud to be a Bulldog everyone and we'll be back thank you so yeah it actually looks like uh, old, old GT was massively multitasking while he did that report so uh, yeah <laughs> nice one bro sounds like you uh, pretty much uh, drove around the block a few times while you're doing it uh, nice job though thanks buddy Okay, second game, Friday Night Football. Brisbane Broncos, 30, defeated the Gold Coast Titans, unfortunately. 30 chop, 10. Yeah, yeah, no. They deserve to win the game, though. Okay, the game, Broncos scored very early on in the third minute through Sam Thiday. However, the Titans hit straight back through a try to Steve Michaels, playing against his old club. Both tries were converted, and it was locked up at six points all. The sides traded penalties and field position for the following 20 minutes of play, and it wasn't until the 30th minute that the Broncos took back the lead through a try to Justin Hodges off some great lead-up work from Peter Wallace. Try went unconverted. Scoreline was 10 points to six. Titans were again quick to respond. Five minutes later, David Meade sliced through and scored in the corner. Princey missed with the touchline conversion, and we went to the break locked up at 10 points all. Second half, vastly different affair. The Broncos scored off their first set, Lockyer slicing through and sending Yao Yi away for the try. Following the conversion from Parker, it was 16-10 to the Broncos. Parker extended the lead to eight with a penalty goal in the 57th minute before Yao Yi delivered the commanding lead to the Broncos in the 64th minute following a great take from a Lockyer bomb from halfway. Once again, Parker added the extras and it was 24 points to 10. Scoring was completed in the 78th minute through another Broncos try, Darren Lockyer delivering a perfect grubber for Hoffman. And following a check of onside upstairs, he was awarded the try. Once again, Corey Parker added the extras, and we had a final score of 30 points to 10. How do you see the game, Chop? Yeah, very much as you described it, Nate. Uh, the, they were very much in the game, the Titans, in the first half. Um, there was probably a couple of times where the Broncos looked like they were going to skip away from us, but yep. we actually played better than what we've been playing for most of the Agreed. year. Agreed, that was one of the better halves, I think. Absolutely. I, it wasn't I like the Broncos, was, the Broncos weren't playing yeah. badly either. I mean, the Titans no, were they, matching them. exactly right. Yeah. And, and on the basis of that, mate, we, there's been a little bit of a spring in the step of the club this week, right through the, 
the whole uh, organisation uh, because there was a little bit of the old spark that was there last year. I think it resurfaced a bit in the first half. The kind half. of belief that you, know, you can match it with you know, a team that's one of the top teams. And the players, you know, to a man, uh, really contributed in that first half. Sure. Second half, you know, Darren Lockyer, yeah. right at the start, you know, he, he knew he would have been sitting in that half at half time thinking of what's going to happen here. How are we going to fix this? Yep. He would have known that the most vulnerable part of that game would have been those first few minutes mm-hmm. when he came back out. Yep. He got the ball, took every opportunity, and away you got finishes like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. please. That was an amazing State take. Origin like, player. Yeah. Flies down the wing. and when he, What about when he takes that kick? Yeah. Like... And just yeah, you know, I'd have bumbled that for sure. Yeah, but <laughs> hasn't he like come on? I mean, like act. he's he's been he's been a good player. Yeah, he, I mean he has. But mate. remember when they first started speaking about the Test match back at the in the Anzac Test? It was like, was he going to get the position on the wing? Uh, will he play for Queensland? Is he up? You know, they chucking him in the deep end, and now look at him. He's like, a veteran. He's, he's <laughs> a plays veteran. like a veteran, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. in the uh, third game, he was outstanding for Queensland. And uh, I think for the Broncos, the one the, the one thing that's notable about him is that he's not afraid to be in the game. Sure. And he puts himself into the match as many on as many occasions as he can. And I think that stems from the players that are around him as well. Yeah. Uh, having blokes like Justin Hodges there. Yeah. To call on the amount of experience, the wealth of talent that Justin has. Yep. You know he encourages his, those young guys to be part of the game, and that that makes them feel like they they you know they're needed. For sure. So when you've got those sprinkling of that origin talent and you look at it, Ben Hannett, Sam Thide, yeah. Corey Parker, Darren Lockyer, you know, <laughs> Justin on, Hodges, Gerald yeah. Yage, yeah. even the halfback Wallace, um, Wallace, is it? Yeah, Peter Wallace, yeah. yeah. Well, he was man of the match, I think, for Channel 9 Absolutely. in that game. And I mean, that was one of the he's best He's an ex-origin player, mate, you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's... I think that when you're in a tough situation and you come out there in a tough match and it was much more critical for Broncos to win than it was for the Titans to sure. win, our season basically is done and dusted. Yeah. We're playing for pride. Yep. They're playing for a premiership. Top four spot. And the so rest you'd it, yeah. expect them to come out and lift their game. And they did. Yep. And, they, and they did because they've got somebody who's probably the one of the most unbelievable rugby league players ever to lace a boot on and Darren Lockyer. And he certainly, it seems, it seems like he's actually, he's lifting for his final run too, isn't it, he? It purposeful. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's making a statement to himself yeah. that he is going to finish this competition and give everything back to the Broncos that he feels they've given to him. And Good I call. think it's an admirable quality, mate. He's a very, very talented player. Okay, over to Twitter. First comment, Cruzy06. The Titans have successfully cemented the top of the bottom for 2011. Well done. Marcus underscore Rob. Brisbane show that the Titans are a bunch of skirts that can't play this year. Lockie played a true captain's knock in the second 40. That he did. And finally, Justin Wonder. Wonder, W-N-D-A. Corey Parker, what a legend for not reacting at all to Bogan Thompson's cheap shots. Much respect. I should have actually asked Chop when I had him about that. But there you go. And uh, speaking of Cruzy, we had a, uh, a couple of guys uh, send in their thoughts on the Broncos game. So uh, let's roll with them now, and uh, I think we'll kick it off with uh, old Cruzy 06. Well, Brisbane Broncos uh, winning again against the Titans. Um, it's not a trend that the Titans would want to keep going. I know they're a great side. Uh, the only person that was missing from last year's semi-finalists um, is Matt Rogers, really. I'd 
uh, something tells me that there's more to the Titans down there that uh, what we're all sort of seeing on the field. Uh, I know they're a better side than that, and I know the fans are hurting at the moment from uh, what's been happening. Uh, hopefully next year with the multi-million dollar signings they've been getting, uh, they can sort of turn that around and go back to uh, to, to finals contention. Uh, happy with the, happy with the Broncos with the win there at the end. Uh, first half was just scrappy, uh, you know, um, being being it raining and that uh, didn't give uh, both teams any favours with uh, handling the football there. But uh, to to their credit, uh, and the great man Darren Lockyer, we we come out with the win with twenty uh, thirty to ten at the scoreline there at the end. Um, really um, to convince me. Uh, about our team, uh, we, we've got to put teams away. Like, uh, no disrespect to the Titans, but um, with, with their form slump this year at the moment, uh, we should at least um, put more points on them in the first half. Uh, but uh, I think we were just sort of uh, found fumbling around, trying to uh, trying to get through the line, or we're not patient enough. Uh, probably is another thing um, it, that that showed with uh, Darrell Yayi in the in the brain snap defence, where he rushed up on the line and. Uh, Scotty Prince has found him out and uh, sent a, a booming ball to uh, young Steve Michaels there for their, their first try. Uh, things like that, it's going to cost the Broncos uh, their runs to the finals or, or the next um, the next win, um, you know, going ahead into uh, the next round of the finals. He just needs to work on his defence and his mindset's got to be right. Also, the great man Darren Lockyer turned the clock back uh, Scooting around there, leading the boys in the second half, uh, breaking the defence there. Um, it's lo- he's looking good. He's looking good for the finals, people. Uh, hopefully, he can keep it up. Um, our forwards, our forwards just need to aim a bit more. I, I feel um, you can't leave it all with uh, with Corey Parker. Sam Thaday is okay as well, but it, as we know, Sam Thaday can uh, do a bit of um, the old whoopsie doodle, um, dropping balls and stuff like that, and 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 doing silly things. Um, just uh, the rest of our forwards, like Benny Hannant. Um, they need to start start aiming up. It's uh, coming to final season. Uh, hopefully, we can keep doing that. Also, uh, yeah, um, bad luck to the great man Ashley Harrison, uh, hyperextending his elbow there. Uh, he'll be he'll be a big hole and sorely missed in the Titans lineup for for the for the next few um, rounds. Um, they'll they'll find it a lot harder now without him being there because I know he's his defence and in in uh, his plays and attack uh, they value him in, in the lineup. Um, also, uh, I'd like to say, um, yes, Scotty Prince uh, is looking a bit flat at the moment as well. He's not the same person as it was last year. I don't know what it is. Um, uh, you're either going to stick with, you know, um, the same sort of halves combination maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's missing Presto or Zilman. Um, Zilman's been there all year, but he, he's, he's had plenty of time to, to prove himself, but I don't think he's, um, he's done that at the moment. Darren Lockyer, last year, immortal. Broncos Premiers 2011, maybe, maybe not. What do you all think, Nate? What do I think? I think Manly's going to win, and Lockie's not going to be able to do a damn thing about it because he won't even be in the grand final against them. Okay, next contributor, Titans fan, Garbs1985 on Twitter. Had a great Twitter battle with Cruzy uh, on Friday night about this game, so I've invited him on to see what his thoughts were about the clash. What can you say about the Titans game? I suppose it's got to be said that we just can't start a game the way that other clubs do. 
other clubs come out with a huge intensity and such, and we're not even half prepared for it, as seen by the amount of tries in the first five minutes of games that we have let in this year. Uh, if any Titans player is starting at less than $51 next week for first try scorer, it's just not worth getting on. Um, in all honesty, though, I thought that we should have been flogged by a lot more than 20 points because... Uh, Let's face it, Brisbane had all their origin stars and as far as I'm concerned, we had none of our origin stars there due to the injury of um, Ashley Harrison early in the game and Greg Bird was playing like an absolute fucking fairy. As a matter of fact, I reckon that Greg Bird could very well be the new Matt Orford. He drops the ball. Oh, God. He, he must absolutely hate football as a matter of fact i reckon he's got worse ball handling than a one-armed lesbian this game showed that he just does not play with the same intensity for the titans as he does for say new south wales in the origin or even going back to his earlier career at cronulla i've never seen the bloke play so shit in my life if this was super coach I would have traded him five weeks ago and, I don't know, traded him for someone that can actually fucking do something like Sean Fansom. There were times in this game where I found myself scratching my head over the lack of effort from some of the boys. Um, earlier this year, we got thumped by the Melbourne Storm. Absolutely smashed. And all you could read about in the papers the next day was, oh, we're sorry for our fans, we will never let this happen again. Well, it's happened at least another 12 times since round two, and it doesn't look like it's going to be getting any better. These, the boys just seem to be playing with no discipline and such. They're giving away shitty penalties and letting their confidence just be dragged through the dirt while the other team's confidence gets boosted from receiving these shit penalties that we give to them. And that leads us to getting our asses kicked by 20 points like they did on Friday night. Also, I think that the oranges at the Titans don't contain any vitamin C at all. I think that all the vitamin C in the oranges that the Titans eat at halftime has been replaced with rat poison because they come out and play like shit after halftime. Um, I cannot even remember the last time that the Titans scored a try in the second half of any game. I can't really have too many problems with the officiating of this game. I thought that nothing that was called really affected the immediate outcome of the game, I think that Broncos still would have won this game. Um, but there was, a, if you call with a play the ball penalty on the Titans, I thought that that play the ball was not worthy of a penalty. I've seen much worse play the balls, even in this game, that do not get caught up. And that kind of really changed the pace of the game that 
penalty there because that led straight to a Broncos try and that would have absolutely destroyed most of our guys' confidence going down further points, playing catch-up football. It's not the same as playing on level scores. And um, as seen in the last couple of weeks, most of our guys just give up when they're down by more than six points. And, um, yeah, what can you say? But honestly, guys, if any of you Titans players are listening, oh, stop the rot. Now, I understand after most of the things that I've said, I'll probably get crucified on Twitter by Titans fans, members of the Titans Legion. Probably MC Kilogram will cut a freestyle on me. But you're talking about a team of players that play football for a full-time job. You're talking about a minimum wage of about $100,000 and some players that are getting triple that. Um... If I was to go into my job, which is to supply builders with building material supplies and exceptional customer service, anything below that would see my ass get sacked. Now, it's about time that some of our players start playing for the money that is on their contract and not playing like they're playing for the price of the piece of paper that the fucking thing's written up on. I guess some of the funny moments of the game were um, Bodine Thompson cracking the shits with Corey Parker, who obviously didn't hear that the ball was out of play, putting a hit on Bodine Thompson. Bodine Thompson picking up the ball, pegging it straight at his head, and uh, instant karma kicking in with a double falcon. Um, I guess the lesson there is, Bodine, don't fire up so much on the field, mate. It's just a game at the end of it, but in all honesty, start winning. Um, Peter Wallace eating shit after that last conversion attempt was quite funny. And, um, yeah, kind of made me laugh, even though we lost by 20 points, just seeing him fall flat on his ass. So, uh, yeah, that's it. I totally regret not having Chop here and... Um... <laughs> when I was playing that because that is absolutely incredible what an epic spray garbs uh, well done son for more on the Broncos game let's hear from at Trek West on Twitter and it's Chris yes thank you Nate and I must say it's a privilege to be on the show though not as much of a privilege as you have right now Glenn you prick anyway um, uh, we, we're not going to talk about about Tiger fan state traitorish bad people right now we're gonna actually get on and talk about this game and probably do a better job than he would now um i don't know what can i say uh it was big brother versus little brother and as all big brothers should we kick their ass um well at least we would like to think we did no first half i think if anything belongs to the titans i think the titans played a better football in the first half i think they stepped up maybe there was some slight origin hangover for the broncos Maybe they weren't expecting the Titans to play the way they did, but I felt that the Titans really muscled up in the first half. Uh, their play the ball was definitely faster than the Broncos, at least in my opinion anyway. Um, a few handling errors from both sides. It was sort of sloppy in that sense. A bit of a, it, it, it tried to be a Vuvuzela at times, but fortunately it, well, 
could a Broncos game ever really be a Vuvuzela? So it, it wasn't. Um, was quite impressed, you know, in the in the early minutes with Alex Glenn and Sam Sade for that first try. And then, of course, then the Titans came back, you know, not long after. Not long after. And then, I don't know, I think for the bulk of the first half, the Titans probably had the upper hand, but they didn't really take advantage of it. Though you can't really say the Broncos did either. A lot of missed opportunities. Lots of missed opportunities there. Uh, Ashley Harrison, of course, taken off with a pretty bad arm injury, but he did what seemed to be a pretty bad arm injury. But honestly, I think 10 all at halftime was probably a fair enough score, a fair enough indication of the first half, but really the Titans shouldn't have got that second try. I honestly am so sick of referees. People criticize referees for going to the video ref. I don't. I think the video is there for a reason, and when referees don't use it, they end up being gooses, which is what was proven in this game. Oh, of course, I can't think what the Titans player was. But, you know, he got a pass, left it behind him, knocked back. Okay, fair enough. You know, the, his winger picked up when the winger picked up the crumbs and scored the second try. Fair enough, except for the fact that oh, hello, guy who you know left the ball behind him just decided to take out two Broncos defenders who would have been able to stop that try from being scored. Now, um, if that's not obstruction, well. Maybe you could argue it was accidental. You know, he didn't change his line, blah, blah, blah. You, you could argue that, and but I still think it's worth going to the video. And if he goes to the video and he rules it a try, fair enough. But I don't see how the on-field referee um, could just award that. But nevertheless, I think it was a fair indication of the first half, you know, fairly fairly level. And then second half, it was Big Brother had played with Little Brother for a while, and then it was time to come out and just basically screw him completely. And kick their ass, which they did. I think the game was won and lost in the first set of the first, second half. If if not actually on the scoreboard, definitely psychologically, I think it really took the wind out of the Titans. They played so well up until halftime. And then in the second half, when with that try, uh, virtually off the kickoff, just sort of really sat them back on their heels. And you just never felt from then on in, or from then, from then on out, that there was they were any hope. And, well... Maybe that's just the sheer class and brilliance of the Brisbane Broncos. Or maybe that is the fact that, you know, maybe it is psychological or maybe the Titans just, you know, maybe they had used up everything they had in the first half. The Titans this year just haven't impressed me. I I've, I hate to say it, but I really think they're definitely headed for the spoon. Broncos are going to have to step it up somewhat if they're going to beat Melbourne and Manly and some of those other top sides who they play, you know, obviously through the back end of the season and into the finals. Of course, we've got, the, we've got the storm this week, so that should be interesting. But I'm sure Nate and his mystery co-host will cover that in the previews. Okay, Super Saturday first game. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, 21, defeated the Sydney Roosters, 20, in Golden Point Extra Time. The Chooks, they started off well, with Kane Linnett grabbing their first try in only the seventh minute of the game. And after they failed to extend their lead with a bomb try to Parrot, it was the Rabbitohs who struck next to a try to Isaac Luke to tie the game at six. Ten minutes later, it was the Chooks regaining the lead with a try to two dads, Sean Kenny Dowell, a lead they took right through to halftime at ten points to six. In the second half, it was the Bunnies who struck first blood after seven minutes through Dylan Farrell. Sandow added the extras and South took the lead 12-10. 
Ten minutes later, the lead switched again. Sam Perrett, the try scorer this time, and following another missed goal by Carney, it gave them a slender 14-12 lead. Three minutes later, the game was tied again through a Chris Sandow penalty goal. It wasn't long before the Roosters again hit the lead, Sam Perrett grabbing his double. Carney nailed the conversion this time, and the lead was out to six points. With only five minutes remaining in the game, it was Greg Inglis who would get the Bunnies back into the game. Sandow made no mistake with the conversion to tie things up, and we headed into Golden Point Extra Time. The first five-minute period came and went, featuring a few obligatory shots at field goal, but the decisive moment came in the second period of extra time when Chris Sandow nailed a massive field goal from halfway to snatch the win for the Bunnies. Twitter for this game, Jason Jehan P.I. kicked it off. I didn't know they decided to rename the wooden spoon the Ron Coote Cup. NKO11 said, Sandud comes good. And East Fan finishes us off with, Am I seeing things? I thought Gary Coleman died, but now he's kicking field goals for Souths. <laughs> Lovely. Great work, guys. The listener contribution this time is from Megan, who is a Sydney Roosters fan. Let's see what she had to say about it all. One of the controversial incidents I'd like to talk about for the Roosters-Rabbitohs game would be the refereeing that ended up, well, not solely costing the Tricolours the game, but definitely wasn't any help. First of all, in the 44th minute, when Kane Lynette, that knock-on call against him, in my opinion, I mean, of course I have my red, white and blue tinted glasses on, it was a harsh call. I personally didn't see a knock-on when it first happened, nor in any of the subsequent replays they showed. Um, that ended up giving the Bunnies possession, which they also ended up scoring from it, Dylan Farrell, I think it was, and then having a look at the replay, it was also from a blatant forward pass, so a bit of hard luck there for the Roosters. Um, roosters were ahead at that point as well, so definitely swung the momentum around, even though later in the game we did come back, but yeah, still wasn't enough. Um, I mean, if Roosters were definitely the stronger team, it wouldn't have made a difference. But when the game was as close as it was, and we all know how the Roosters have been going, any help would, I guess, help them out. Another point I feel I have to raise is in the 72nd minute, when Greg Inglis actually ran the ball. He got away from two Chookies players, which, mind you, probably says more about our defence than, than Greg Inglis himself, um, before he was tackled by Anthony Mitchell. I think he thought someone was after his pies or something, because I haven't seen him run that fast in a while. And there we go, I said all that without calling them the Rabbelows or LOL at Souths. Moving right along to the next game, second one for Super Saturday, Penrith Panthers 23 defeated the Parramatta Eels 22 in what is what was Nathan Hindmarsh's 300th game. What is it with players and their milestone games this season? They're just not getting the job done for, their, for the guys. The rest of the team just aren't getting the job done. Okay, how'd this game go? Panthers on the board first through David Simmons in the 10th minute of play, and the game was level 10 minutes later through a try to Justin Horro as a direct result of an error by Penrith's favourite son, Adrian Pertell. Both sides slugged it out until the 30th minute when Uyaseli put the Eels in front briefly before Lockie Coote scored off a Luke Walsh grubber to see the scores level for the half-time break. Both sides tra traded tries in the second half, the Eels through Rennie Matua and the Panthers through Simmons, and were once again tied up, 16 points all. The Eels finally broke the scoring sequence and grabbed their final try with 10 minutes to go, Casey Maguire scoring and Burt potting the easy conversion to give the Eels a 22 points to 16 lead. Then, with two seconds left on the clock, 
bedlam ensued as the last kick of the night from the Eels was charged down. No restart to the set was given and Luke Burt was caught with the ball. The referees were ultra quick to stop the clock though, allowing Penrith two seconds and one play to get back in the game and that's exactly what they did. Hot potato ensued and the ball eventually ended up with Michael Jennings finding room down the left-hand side of the field before putting through a grubber that was claimed by Lockie Coote for the try. Following the conversion, we had our second golden point match of the day. As for, as for, with the South Chooks game, the first half of extra time was unremarkable and filled with terrible drop goal attempts and it wasn't until the 87th minute when the decisive blow was struck, a field goal to Luke Walsh. Hindy left his 300th game a loser. Final score, 23-22. Heading over to Twitter for this game, we've got Amy underscore Billy. Said, let's just say it's the game that lost tonight from the bad officiating, losing the faith of the fans. And there will be a common theme with that, I think. Devonhead said, I need some crack of my own after watching whatever you call the finish to that game. And finally, Cage007 Parafan said, not even an all-night roughhouse rebound-style bonkathon with J-Lo will make me happy tonight because of the Eels losing. And uh, he actually sent a similar message like that to uh, a couple of others. I think uh, Kim Kardashian uh, was one. Uh, so yeah, nice one, Kev. Next cab off the rank as far as listener submissions is concerned is good old Paraman1973. You've heard Chops speak about him. Now it's time to hear what his thoughts are on the uh, Parramatta game and I predict the referees are going to cough a spray. Where do I start? I think the best place to start is actually at the end of the game where all the shit did, ha- did happen. Uh, but firstly, I'd like to direct my personal attack at Hollywood Harrigan. Mate, you need to crawl back under the rock you first emerged from, you fucking self-righteous, self-absorbed circus clown. To come out and say that those pink, pulse-making, inept, idiotic, half-witted ass pendants with whistles were correct just goes to show how out of touch from reality you really are. What happened at the end of that game was an absolute rugby league bastardisation and an insult to the intelligence of serious rugby league fans. And if you think I'm going off pretty severe here, guys, it's just the way I feel. And the sooner that he is away from the game, as far away from the game, I'm sorry, as possible, the better. And the main point in that game was the actual charge down or the non-charge down. For me, I've watched this over and over again, and the player has moved in front of Hayne. He's moved in front of Hayne and raised his hands. To me, that's playing at the ball. It constitutes a bloody charge down. And when Bert picks the ball up, at the end of the day, that is six to go, Parramatta win the game. Every day of the week. But unfortunately, no, they didn't see it that way. And the bloody cock gobblers, instead of getting it wrong there, they got it, they compounded their first fuck-up by reinforcing it with a second when they blow time off instead of letting the clock wind down, as it has done since 1908. I've never seen, at the end of the game, before when the ball's been charged down and someone's dived on it, not only has it been not called a charge down and six to go, but they, the ref has then gone and bloody stopped the clock and given them, made sure that they had one opportunity to have a go in school. And as a result, we know that the rest is history. Penrith go on to win the game. And it completely ruined the game for me and just adds to my ever-growing frustration at the complete and utter ineptitude of the refereeing we are being forced to accept in the NRL today. Not just in Parramatta games, mind you, but in all games. Nate himself had to, had to run in with the North Queensland and the referees 
botching up that game earlier on in the year. And I'm pretty sure he'll agree with me. My second point of contention I'd like to raise and get your input on this, uh, Nate, is the coot hit on Wasili for Parramatta when he was returning the ball. Now, to me, his shoulder made contact with Wasili's head, as you could tell, and he was knocked out cold. And as far as I'm aware, you know, while Coot didn't, I'm not saying that Coot did it intentionally or maliciously, the fact of the matter is that his shoulder made contact with his head and knocked him unconscious. And the resulting try to Simmons should have been disallowed and the penalty awarded to Parramatta. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, because as far as I'm concerned, that's how it happened. Again, in no way am I saying that Coot's a dirty player, because he's not. But at the end of the day, he led with that shoulder. He jumped up and it collected by Silly and he was out of the game, out for the rest of the game. And the rule states that you aren't allowed to make contact with an opponent's head at all. Anyway, those three points, as far as I'm concerned, are what turned the game away from the Eels and a deserved win for Hind in his 300th game, which he is dead set shame for a man who is an exemplary human being both on and off the field. On a lighter note, though, I honestly believe Hayne is the future for Power at 5-8. He yet again looked dangerous and seems to be creating options for us in the attack, which we didn't have at the start of the year with Gronkson. Anyone who doesn't know what Gronkson is by my tweets, that's Jeff Robson, the worst halfback in the NRL, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Bert seemed to have... was one of our strongest again at the back. And for me... I seem to find that uh, Rennie Matua is coming along nicely. Uh, coming off the bench in only his second or third game for the club, he seems to be getting stronger each week, scoring tries, and I think he'll be a good mo- uh, good acquisition for us going forward. And Hindy, as usual, well, what can you say about the man? 300 games, not a bad one amongst them. Again, he had another strong game. Made another 3,000 tackles couple hundred hit-ups and backed up and cleaned up the messes for everybody else, as he usually does. For Penrith, though, again, the usual suspects there were the great players of Luke Lewis and Patero Sevenasiva, just leading the way up front and getting the ball going forward for the club. And I thought, to be honest, um, Mick Jennings looked strong on return from injury, and he looked dangerous every time he had the ball. He, getting on the outside of his opponent, opponent's number with that blistering speed. I think he's getting back to some of the best form that he can show. Uh, and to be quite honest, Lachlan Cook was the Panthers' best, showing the kind of form we saw from him when he first cracked gate a couple of years ago. He was just everywhere all over the field at the back and popped up and scored two tries and literally broke my heart, a little bastard. Anyway... In closing, I think, to be honest, Penrith aren't going to threaten in the threaten the top three in the comp. I think Manly, the Dragons, <coughs> the Broncos are up there in the top three in the club. I mean, in the comp, sorry. And I think Penrith might, while they might make the eight, just won't uh, threaten the top three. That's as far as I'll go. All right, for a Penrith point of view, let's hear from Jared Vaughan, a.k.a. at JarTV on the Twitter. Righto, footy fans, Twi League nation, all-around beautiful people. We're going to be talking about 
the Battle of the West, the mighty, mighty Penrith Panthers versus the poor, piss-weak Parramatta Eels. The Battle of the West, the Battle of the Bogans. Look, I, I don't know how Parramatta or, or any Parramatta supporters ever thought they had a chance uh, with Penrith having the almighty Bogan King, Luke Lewis, on their side, uh, even though we went off injured partway through the game. Um, look, I've, over the last little while, we've dealt to cope with, with players going off at certain times of the game. You know, it was Michael Gordon, we've lost Michael Jennings, we've we've lost a couple of guys at midway through, through games before, and we, we've learnt to deal with that okay. Look, we took it out by one point. Um... Obviously, I would have liked to have absolutely pantsed them. Uh, but apart from that, there, there were some good points for the Panthers that came out of that game. Lachlan Coote looks like he's gone through a second puberty and finally discovered his gonads again. Um, coming back from a, a pretty serious groin injury, he was a little bit sheepish and, and a little bit hesitant in, in the games that he'd played leading up to this one. And he looks to be back to, to almost his best. You know, he's... He's really attacking the ball. He's really throwing himself at the defensive line. He's got that beautiful, absolute disregard for his personal safety that, that made us all love him. And, you know, he's he's not only running through as a, a great support player and, and putting himself in the right place at the right time, but he, he's giving opportunities to his teammates, which is what a, a good fullback should do. That's a lesson there. Billy fucking Slater learn how to pass the ball at a different time than when you take it from a kick and you're about to get smashed. The forward pack at Penrith's gaining a, a little bit of confidence. Uh, look, we've got a good pack. They're, they're big guys, they're mobile, and they've got a very, very good leader in Petro. I'd still really like to see them getting in every week and just trying to hurt people. You know, they they seem to go through these patches in the game where it's okay to slacken off a little bit and, and really not run at the line as hard as they can. Um, but, you know, that'll obviously, again, come with a bit of confidence. And, you know, something I'm really happy with is our old friend out at Penrith, um, Adrian Pertel the Turtle, hasn't been as shit as he could be. Um, you know, I, I like to refer to him as Penrith's version of, of Scott Minto. And... Uh, you know, look what a valuable part of the, the team good old Mr Minto was. I'm still devastated he never played Origin. Stevie Georgialis has, has been a good influence on the guys, obviously. Um, they've banded together pretty well under him. And, and after after games at press conferences, he's he's just like the, the little kid that got invited to his big brother's birthday party. You know, everything's wonderful and, and everything's sweet and he can't say enough nice things about the players of the game. So, you know, that, that's a, a pleasant change. And, look, you could say it was a positive that we fought to the death. And, look, obviously in this instance I'm happy that we did. We we do tend to do that. We'll play to the whistle. We'll play to the siren. Um, but, unfortunately, if you put yourself in those positions where you need to be scoring 81st-minute tries against a good side in the competition, and, and by that I mean, you know, say your, your St George's or your Melbourne's, um, not a pretender like your, your Eagles. You put yourself in a position like that against a good team and you'll find yourself fairly fucked, fairly quickly. Um, you'll be beyond fucked. You'll be so far past fucked you could not beg for change to catch a bus 
back to fucked. So I guess we've got to learn to, to really establish ourselves all the way through a match and, and not rely on a, a little bit of brilliance and a little bit of luck to get us home. Um, you know, all in all, I think it'll help with the confidence. I think it was the right time of the season to have a win like that that brought the guys together. Um, geez, Parramatta, what, what can you do except go and try and find where the fuck Brian Smith is hiding in your club and still writing things in Stephen Gurney's coaching book uh, because that man has left a legacy at the club. Brian Smith, or uh, old minibus, as we like to call him, uh, minibus is obviously half a coach, you know, he, he's left Parramatta as, as the team who is the most skilled in snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, there are a couple of times they should have put us away, they didn't, and not through any glaring errors, but just really by lack of heart. So, all in all, a good game, beautiful result, just as it should be, and give us plenty of confidence going in next week, where uh, my prediction is that we will fuck Manly so hard and so deep that Michael Jennings' penis will give Brett Stewart a lobotomy. So that's all from me in the Battle of the West. See you later, Twilig Nation. Okay, final game on Super Saturday. The West Tigers, 38, ran out convincing winners over the North Queensland Cowboys, 18. Visitors drew first blood, a grubber from Robbie Farah finding Gareth Ellis in the eighth minute of play. In a surprise move, Benji actually kicked the conversion for once and on the way to getting 100% for the night, which is an absolute miracle. Um, listeners of the show, although, I slag Benji every single week for his missed goal kicking. Um, he must have put the power band back on his wrist or something, he did, but he was, he getting, he was yeah. getting his goals. On the back of continued dominance of possession, the Tigers extended their lead to 12 through a fairly simple try to Blake Ageford in the 23rd minute. Cowboys, although not having any ball to speak of, they still look pretty good. Matty Bowen in particular was making some good busts and creating some chances for the home side I mean there was a couple of tries he almost set up with Fifi Lower dropping the final pass or something like that eventually Corey Patterson their new try scoring machine got on the board in the 36th minute of the game helped the Cowboys claw back some ground and they went into half time still in the match at 12 points to 4 down second half the Cowboys got right back into the game following a runaway intercept try to Willie Tonga this one was converted and it was 12 points to 10 however right there when the game was there for the taking Benji stepped up a gear scored a try himself and set one up for Tim Moulton in the space of six minutes, taking the Tigers quickly out to a 24-10 lead. The Cowboys responded with possibly the try of the night to Tonga again, following an amazing chip chase and regather from Bowen. Unfortunately for the Cowboys, 24-14 would be as close as it got. The Tigers added a penalty and tries to Ashford and Fulton, and while the Cowboys pulled one back through Corey Patterson again, it wasn't enough, and the Tigers ran out 38-18 winners. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a strange game if if you look at it. I think that yeah. um, the Cowboys had plenty of opportunity to stay in the game. They looked good um, in attack, I thought. Without Matty Bowen, they were yeah. absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, it just goes to show, mate, guys like Matt Scott, you know, yep. they miss him more than they miss Jonathan Thurston because the yep. week before when, when he when was, he was, yeah. when he was uh, in the team and Jono was out, yeah. you know, they, they looked a different uh, side. For sure. And uh, the, in my opinion, he's the best front rower in the world at the moment. There's yeah. no... You know, Petro's going good, but uh, next to him, mate, Matty Scott is just outstanding. And it's very important. In any game you play in rugby league, doesn't matter whether you're playing in the bush or in the city, at the NRL level or whatever level you play at, if you haven't got a solid front row, you can't win the game. Yep. And therefore, you won't win a competition. Your front rowers dictate and dominate every game of rugby league that's played. Yep. The other guys like the Thurstons and the Bowens, the Lockyers and all that sort of thing, they've got a huge huge uh, footprint into that game but if you don't go forward 
yep. they can't all comes play. off the back. Exactly, and it all comes the back off the back of those big boppers in the middle of the forward pack. And uh, Matty Scott's very much missed. For know, sure, for sure. Corey Patterson, what a great success he's been though. Well, that's two the, two games, yeah. four tries. He's got a great machine. attitude to rugby league. Absolutely. He's a, he's a terrific athlete. He's yep. a tall guy, you know, rangy, strong. Yep. Uh, puts himself into the game, and that's all you've got to do. Sure. But the difference on the night was Benji Marshall. I mean, yeah. when he steps up and he starts to do the no-look passes and the passes back on the inside, yep. and he runs the ball and he becomes involved, um, he's a talented player, and, and he's hard to beat. He when is. he gets into that mode. I agree, I agree. Corey Patterson, imagine, how good, how good is he going to be when he's got Thurston in the side with him? Well, he hasn't played a game with <laughs> him yet. He's got two Joe, tries, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> he's already got four tries out of, yeah, out of two absolutely. games. So yeah. he's but isn't it, you know, I think it's wonderful to see a guy like Corey that really has been a, a great player yep. uh, at a club level. And um, he was in the uh, All-Stars game yep. at the start of the year. And, and I think, uh, you know, for him to come out and, and find a bit of a home for himself and, and make a bit of a statement right from the get-go, uh, you know, that's what rugby league's about to me. It's about yep. the success that is gained by what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm glad that he's he's kicked off really yeah, well it's good there. to see. He's going very yeah. well. I thought the Tigers, I mean, they still look a bit vulnerable in, in defence. I mean, on returns, Matty Bowen seemed to slice through them, especially in the first half. Yeah, he's, Every bit, time he's a bit he slippery, sli- though. Yeah, yeah. He's a slippery bugger. I mean, when he, and when he's in that zone, when Matty Bowen's in that zone, I, it doesn't matter how good of defence you throw up against him, he's going to find your gaps, yeah. you know. And, and geez, he's playing well, like, in the absence of first. And, and unfortunately, that's the problem with Matt. Yep. The consistency isn't there. He seems to. I must. He must just relish. I mean, I guess you know the ball in hand a bit more, and yep. the extra responsibility just makes I'm him sure look for that it that a lot more. That makes a huge difference too. Yep. And I think that the older he gets, the more that that responsibility will will be a, a benefit to him. Yeah. Yeah. So what they've got to do is what Neil Henry's got to do is work out how he can instill the same level of responsibility into Matty. Yeah. When Thursday's in the game. Do the Jared Haynes exactly switching switch right. to five eight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah let him get the well, let him get the ball a bit more. Mate, he would excel at five eight. And, and no one has really stamped themselves no, as the as the owner of that position in the Cowboys for a long, Cowboys, long time. No. So, well, not that I can remember. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember player, last no. time someone did either. No. So, so yeah. you never know. I mean, the problem is he hasn't lost his skill and his speed at fullback, no. so you can't you know you can't afford to move that away. Or his but, strength. He's an yeah. incredibly strong little bloke, and uh, you know it just shows. Yeah. So Tigers, is it enough to say that they're back? Oh, they always look like they're back. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I, I, I'm a fan of the way they play. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And, I like a lot of the, a lot of their players. Uh, Fafita, I think, is an outstanding player, and I think they've got some real potential there. And uh, Ashford and, and those guys, Molson, you know, yeah. they they played really well. But um, it really, Benji Marshall is still the key. Yep. If he steps up, then it allows Robbie Farrow to do a lot more things, sure. uh, and take the focus away from that that one pronged attack. Yep. If Benji doesn't involve himself in the game, well, it all rests on Robbie's shoulders, and and it doesn't work. And that's when, and that was when they scored, yeah. you know, one try a game exactly for three right. weeks or something like that, like yeah. under twenty points over three exactly across three right. weeks. And and that's it in a nutshell, I think. Let's throw over to the listeners. We've got two points of view. We've got Jono, who is a Cowboys fan, giving his side of things. Jono twenty nine hundred on Twitter, and we have Ben Grace, who is the uh, long time listener at Tiger underscore Benji and you may know him as the guy who threw together the best of for last season let's hear from those two guys I'm not going to lie I really wanted my uh, my report tonight to be about a magnificent Cowboys win but unfortunately 
we're saddled with this shitty 20 point loss instead um, so here are some of my thoughts from the game uh, Matty Bowen played really well once again in the absence of Jonathan Thurston and he he really wound back the clock off field with especially with setting up his try for Tonga in the second half um, there's not much he could have done defensively especially with that try scored by Tim Maltzen because when your teammates leave you with a 4-1 overlap you're not going to save any tries, doesn't matter who you are. Um, Corey Patterson, he, he played really well once again in his second game for the Cowboys. Um, and that just goes to illustrate, I guess, the, the depth of the club that we now have and didn't have last year. Brent Tate in his first game played well and we really needed his experience on the field, which um, neatly coincides with Jonathan Ferson having a little holiday. Um, so, some things that, that really grinded my gears were... Things like giving away the 5-1 penalty count, it's not the discipline that's going to win us premierships or even get us into finals, and that needs to be fixed straight away, I feel. You know, we, 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 we had enough trouble with the quality of the West Tigers without giving them you know, five extra sets and gifting them position and possession and, and that, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's, that, that's no good. That's got to be fixed straight away. And, like, also, like, you know, p people can probably say with... With a probably a little bit of um, a little bit of justification that no no first and no Cowboys, but Matthew Scott also missing on the night was was not really that good, um, you know. And even though the depth in the Cowboys is better than any stage since that grand final year, we we still have a bit of a way to reach for lofty standards of other teams like Melbourne and St George and dare I say it, Manly. Um, so here. From, from here on for the Cowboys, we've got first and out for another three weeks. We've got the Titans next week. I don't care how badly they're going. They're always a, a, a danger team for us. Um, and but They always lift footy screens and derbies. We've got Penrith back in Townsville the week after. And then the Bulldogs. And who, quite frankly, who, who knows which Bulldogs team is, is going to turn up. All, all of those three games are certainly winnable. But we could just as easily lose them by 20 points each. And if we do lose all three games, that puts us right back in the mix with Newcastle and the Sharks. So, really, this this month coming up, this is going to define our season. And given the season that the Cowboys have had so far, I I really hope we don't mess it up. But um, those are my thoughts anyway. So, thank you very much, and uh, catch you later. Hi all, Tiger Benji here. Happy to be reporting for the Tigers after a good win. I guess the biggest feeling after the game for Tigers fans is relief. They came in this game on the back of three losses to go from firmly in the eight to hanging on by just a thread. The situation probably wasn't as bad as some Tigers fans would have you believe. I mean, there's no reason to go jumping off bridges on the Hale Street just yet. They just needed to improve their completions and options and work on their cohesion as a team. And with players coming back from long-term injuries, now it's definitely that time. Benji, he was fantastic. He scored a clever little try and put Maltz away from a sublime man look pass, but... He just looked to be creating things in attack all the time, which was good considering he seemed to go missing a bit last week. The super coach couch coaches were definitely a test. A lot of talk regarding Rob Louie. He's sort of become the new Daniel Fitzhenry where he's the apparent cause of all the West Tigers' problems, whether he seems to be involved or not. He probably could impose himself more in attack like he did late last season, but he did manage a line break tonight and uh, to add to his two last weekend try, 
but his biggest improvement was his defence. He gets a lot of traffic and his stats were 23 tackles with only one miss, which is really good to see. There's been a lot of talk about him going to the Broncos to add to their depth in, in their halves, but with that kind of monster defensive effort, I honestly don't think he'd be even considered. I think he's still the best option at 7 for the Tigers as he imposes himself on the game a lot more than Molson, who's leaving anyway, and young Jake Miller. Miller's only 18, has plenty of potential for the future, and the club can no doubt see this, and I think he'll be continued to be used periodically as an option off the bench. The animosity from Tigers fans over letting Fafita and Gibbs go seemed to be washed away in the town's rain. Fafita offered very little, whilst Aaron Woods had a great game with plenty of good go-forward. So we saw there's a lot of potential in Matt Grote, he's a big, big boy. Sheens has said that keeping upgrading these young players was the reason for Feeder and Gibbs will let go. They have a lot to prove and they're definitely heading in the right direction. As I just record this, I've just learned that Grote has been dropped for Mark Flanagan, which is a bit of a surprise, but I'm sure it'll be part of Sheens' grand plan and similar to what we're seeing with Miller. For the Cowboys, needless to say, Baum was brilliant. He's had a lot of injury dramas over the last years, but he's very close to being as good as he ever was. He was busting tackles and breaking the line at will, and when he couldn't break the line, he chipped over the top and set up one of the tries of the season. Probably just needed a little bit of help from his teammates, which I guess has always been the Cow's problem. Just ask uh, Wyndham former Thurston. Look, there's a long way to go for the Tigers yet. We've got the Roosters this week, and then two tough games coming up in the Dragons and Manly. Seven games to go, we probably need to win four or five. Definitely a good chance to do that, and I think they will. They should slot into the bottom half of the eight. Sunday football, game number one. The Melbourne Storm, 26, defeated the Canberra Raiders nil. One-way traffic in this one. Storm opened their account in only the fourth minute of play through a try to Matt Duffy. Canberra weren't without hope in the match, but Melbourne responded with a brick wall defence that did not allow anything to get through. Melbourne took a while to extend their lead, but right before half-time, they did that with a try to Hinchcliffe. Cam Smith added the extras, and half-time lead was 10 points to nil. Storm kept their impenetrable defence for the second half, but they also upped the attacking potency. They added tries through uh, Cooper Cronk. Matt Duffy got his second, and finally Jesse Bromwich closed close things out. Final score, 26-10. Over to Twitter for that game, Paraman1973 said, early entry in the fuck wit of the year award for Vito. He's retarded red anchor in his ha- in his hair. What a fucking shit kicker. Controversial hairstyle. Um, one of the worst I've ever seen uh, on the rugby league field. <laughs> let us know what you guys thought uh, on that game. Let's head over to a listener contribution. We've got at Solzy on Twitter is his name, and he's a Canberra fan, so let's see what he had to say. Hi, you've got Mike here, also known as Solzy. I'll be filling in for Glenn, who apparently doesn't understand the meaning of off-season when it comes to holidays. We'll start off with the game. I'm doing a review of the game for the Canberra Raiders and the Melbourne Storm in Canberra, uh, which I must admit made me think that maybe Canberra had a little bit of a hope in this game. How very, very wrong I was. It's show, look, was looking even worse for, for the Raiders very early in the match when Matt Duffy scored in the third minute of the game and you would be expecting maybe at this point Melbourne were just going to be on for the whole game and really take it to the Raiders. Uh, It didn't actually turn out for that way for most of the first half actually because that was the only try they had scored up until the 38th minute uh, of the first half. But before that it was actually quite interesting. The Raiders had their moments. They had a couple of repeat sets but the Raiders' attack is really non-existent at the moment. And uh, Sam Williams, who was killing it in the Toyota Cup, when he's coming up against these really good defensive sides in the NRL, 
he is seeming to struggle in the Raiders, and the Raiders are really missing um, Terry Campisi, obviously. But uh, the Storm looked a lot more likely and did dominate possession, I think, especially after that early stage. They dominated position and um, possession as well, I should say. But uh, they had a couple of chances when they opted to kick the ball. And if the kicks were just slightly better, they probably would have scored twice. But I don't even know if the kick was actually the right option. They probably should have put it through the hands. They... That, like I said, they finally did score in the 38th minute uh, through Ryan Hinchcliffe, which was converted, and they went into Oranges at 10-0. The second half started well for to give the Raiders a chance to maybe get back into the match when the Storm kicked it out on the full off the kickoff, but the Raiders were unable to capitalise on that and... Just they just couldn't again their attack really was non existent. Talking about how the Raiders attacked in this game seems just wrong because there really was no attack in there to actually speak of. Um Melbourne's defence was good, but it really did look like the top one of the top side in the comp versus one of the lower sides in the comp, and the Raiders just didn't trouble them at all. In the fifty second minute, Cooper Cronk scored a try and it was converted. Uh Basically, after that, um, the floodgates opened a bit with uh, two more tries in the 64th minute. Uh, the second one to Matt Duffy and the third try to Jesse Bromwich in the 74, 74th minute, which was converted, leaving us with an end score of 26. Melbourne 26, the Canberra Raiders nil which was very disappointing uh, for me as a Raiders fan. But uh, Melbourne are really looking good, to be honest. I think they're actually coming under the radar a little bit this year. Like, and that's really funny for a side that's coming first. I think, a lot of the, I think a lot of the attention has been focused on teams like St. George and Manly. But um, Melbourne are leading the comp, and I think there's a good reason for it. Their defence is the best in the comp, and their attack's right up there as well, I believe. Some of the talking points about this game, I believe that um, Melbourne did look very good and just strangled the Raiders. They uh, just kept playing their game the whole game and they were able to just defend and they just didn't look worried by the Raiders at all. And when they had their opportunities, they looked a lot more likely and they eventually took them. It's like I also, I'd like to you talk about the wet sail effect where a team finally does get a bit of a lead and then they start throwing the ball around and you really see what a side can do attacking wise after they've done that after they've got that little bit of a lead and so it's really good to see actually a team do that and when it really opens up I'd like to see that a bit earlier to make it a really really exciting game but you've got to do what you've got to do to win the game first the Raiders are breaking all sorts of records this year unfortunately not in a good way this is the first time they've ever been held to nil at home as the uh, Foxtel commentators would were going on about for the last 10 minutes of the game thinking that maybe somehow the Raiders will get a try and get over it but uh, the the pressure really must be building on David Ferner to lose his way to second no David Ferner's not going to lose his job sorry I just had a mind blank I forgot that he was the brother of the uh, CEO, so he'll be safe for quite a while yet. Melbourne's premiership aspirations, they must be fired up to actually try and win a premiership legitimately. They can talk they talk in their own circles about, oh, we won and we, we don't care, but 
really, I think they'd really want, be wanting to win one this year for that reason in particular, to actually say that they've got a legitimate title. A lot of the criticisms off Bellamy can be taken away because, you know, everyone says he's only a good coach because he had this super team. But now, you know, he's lost half of his team now and he's now, and they're still coming first. So, you know, good luck to Melbourne. Um, I think they'll, they'll, need, they'll still need it. I still don't think they're the top side in the comp, but they're definitely capable of winning the whole thing. So anyway, that's my review of the Raiders versus Melbourne match. Thanks for having me, guys. Sunday football, match of the round. Mighty Manly Sea Eagles, 32, defeated the Newcastle Knights, 10. Manly had the perfect start when they opened the scoring after only 44 seconds of play, scoring off their very first set, courtesy of a David Williams break down the right-hand side, offline into, into Jamie Lyon, who scored the try, and also messed up a couple of my bets because I had <laughs> I had Wolfman uh, and uh, Michael Robertson, Wangman, and I had uh, Brett Stewart, first try scorers. Did Jamie. <laughs> Did <have> Jamie. <laughs> because it's always Wolfman or Wangman. I mean, yeah. like, I don't know why they pay you nine nine or 11 bucks for it. Because that was a good try, though. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glenn Stewart had a bit of speed, get around the outside of Stig yeah. and, and yeah. they were away. Yeah. The Knights, they weren't without field position and possession, but they never looked like troubling the Manly defence in the first 40. Manly didn't get on the board again, though, until the 19th minute of play when the potent left side attack produced another try to Wangman, Michael Robertson. Manly were in again in the 31st minute when Glenn Stewart took advantage of a massive hole in the Newcastle line caused by an injury to Junior Sow to score the try. And when Jamie Lyon touched down off a DCE grubber, they were out to a commanding 22 to nil halftime lead. Second half, Knights were the first side on the board, although it was a really dour affair in the second half. Took them till the 62nd minute to get a controversial try to McManus that should not have been awarded by the video referee. <laughs> and of course you can't comment on that chop although they spent most of the, fir- the most of the second half in first gear Manly were the next to score through Steve Matai before following that try up on the very next set with a long range try to Brett Stewart from a Jamie Bureau break that was a couple of B's in a row then at 32 points to 4 the game was well and truly over but it was Newcastle who'd have the final say with another dubious try to McManus also shrouded in controversy that try was converted giving us our final scoreline of 32 points to 10 yeah, look, it was one of those games, mate, where uh, Manly skipped, and once they skipped, it was all over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Newcastle tried to come back a couple of times, but in all fairness, when the way Manly's playing at the moment, the level of aggression that they've got, yep. that that really is uh, going great guns for them. And, but not only for them, the top four teams all have aggression in their play. It almost seems like a slight rollback to the 2008s, because yeah. you know, once again, Melbourne and Manly at the That's top. That's right. But it is that forward. Exactly right. And yeah. if you look at the competitive teams, mate, at the moment with the, being the Broncos, the Dragons, the Storm and the, and, um, the Eagles, yeah. they all have a level of aggression through their forward pack yeah. that's allowing them to build that foundation. And, um, you know, good luck to you. It, it, it does say that uh, Manly are back, I think. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. How do you like the the work of uh, Daly Cherry Evans? Oh, he's a Queenslander he's a for Queenslander. a start, you know. And Red, um, ready made rep- replacement I, for I JT. played with his uh, with his family mate, you know, yep. at Redcliffe. They were they were Redcliffe uh, people, and um, I don't know exactly who he he belongs to, which one of them, but they are all very good players. All the, the whole Cherry yep. family. They said there was a whole tree of them out at Roma that, the, that came down to Redcliffe. So <laughs> there is. Um, they've all got they've all got colourful names as well. Exactly. My, my next yeah. door neighbours um, is is uh, Daly's godparents. Oh, and so it? I'm often yeah. talking to the, talking to him, and he's talking about the other bro, you know, other brothers and sisters like Darcy. This is like it's like, it's like yeah. he's a, their family. It's like the man from Snowy River exactly. or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, um, Steve was a very good player, Steve Cherry, yep. and, and you know he was probably. Um, he could have played it in the NRL at any level at any stage but 
I like him. He's a good kid, mate. He's got a great uh, sense of timing. Sure. And I think that him and uh, Foran are the, are the reason that they've actually had a bit of a spark, mate, because I agree. They're all their attack in the middle is stemming around those two guys. And guys like Watmo and, and um, Stewart just work the forward pack are just yeah. working off them, and, and it's been very successful for them. It's, it's great to see how they're evolving. In the first game we had, we lost uh, against the Storm, and there was a lot of pressure on Cherry. Uh, the Storm just mobbed him for kicks and everything, yeah. and he didn't have a lot of time, and you know it was a really rough kind of debut for him. But since then, and then Foran kind of stepped up, and then the left-hand side just started destroying everything. And now he's taken that right-hand side, he has, yeah. And now it's almost like with the with the injury to Hopper on the left, Manly have started sending more down the right, and now their right side's almost as, yeah. as deadly as the left side. Uh, what a shame about Hopper. Like, yeah. I mean, what a terrific talent he is. He it's is. Sad, sad to see him go, but hopefully the same kind of, uh, like, the loyalty and commitment to his faith that he's showing with this two-year uh, mission. Anybody that's the same... got the courage to make that decision, mate, will be back. Exactly. And, and he'll be back and... bigger and better than he ever was. And hopefully the character yeah. he's, he's displayed in actually doing that will yeah. be displayed in coming back to Manly as well. Yeah, <laughs> Remember well, where he came from. He could end up back at the Titans, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, back at the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, wouldn't that be terrible, mate, if you I had tell to you, lose I would him. be I would be down here. I know where you, I know where you are now. I, <laughs> I, I would be demanding answers. <laughs> yeah. No, and you know, it is one of those things that he has he, he's made a huge uh, For commitment sure. and good on him. I I, I applaud him. Um yeah, but the the other player that very much unheralded at um, at Manly is Matty Ballon. You know he, he yep. he's a terrific stabilising influence in the middle of the field, but I always also think that Manly play with great confidence, knowing that Stewart's at fullback. For sure, the team really does feel way better. It looks way better, and and guys like Jamie Lyon and that start to show a little bit more um, freedom in their own games. Sure, because they know they've got that potency. Just resting and in there's, behind, and there's no there's no secret that that's why the defence this year is brick wall as compared to last year exactly when it was a bit right. looser. Because yeah. when you've got Brett Stewart there playing the role that Matthew Ridge did during yeah. the mid nineties, where he yeah. tells everyone what to do and who's their man, and there's exactly no confusion right. in defence; they all work together. And that comes from experience and, exactly. and uh, trust. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as well as uh, like you know guys like Ben Farrow did last year, filling in in a yeah. pretty thankless role. He played great. The same kind of you know communication, sure. defence, and everything was definitely yeah. lacking. Um, and the Knights, mate, I, I had a bit of hope for the Knights. I thought that they were going to have a better yeah. year, but uh, they looked like they were building into something. And they you told me before the show. The you told me before the show. You tipped them, didn't you? Yeah, you tipped I tipped them in this game. Absolutely. I, I thought at home that they would be a big, a big chance. You yeah. know, and um, they kind of did build it up that way, didn't they? they did. and, and I really like Aquiluate. I think he's yeah. a very dangerous player. I thought he was probably the best for New South Wales consistently uh, throughout the series. Yep. Um, and he tries so hard for the for the Knights. Um, I really thought they might have been turned a little bit of a corner, but uh, they the Manly just really went bang 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 in that first half and left them left them standing. Yeah, and I think yeah. the, I think the the problem with the Knights, I mean, lately, I mean, all year, I mean, they've had injuries all year. They've had some injury problems have, to, to speak yeah. of. Um, but they've always seemed to play with a lot of determination and heart and overcome it a lot of times, which is why they were sort of, you That's know, exactly still in right. the eight. But they don't, don't yeah. stop trying. This yeah. this game was one of the ones, I mean, they didn't stop trying, but this was one of the few games I think I've seen season yeah. where they were actually just like blown away. Well, they were, but, you know, yeah. Manly, like the try that they scored, Manly scored the first try was yeah. a magnificent try. Mm-hmm. And they would have been reeling after that, you know, yeah. like they've gone down the wing. Haven't even had time to breathe. No, it was exactly like four right. Of the game, and yeah. all of a sudden you've got, you know, 
Wolfman flying down the wing past, you know, out sprinted his player, got yep. to the fullback, turns it back inside. Jamie Lyon goes untouched, really, yep. to the try line. You get back behind the line, you, your lungs are burning, you know, <laughs> because all the air's still, you're still trying to fill them and expand yep. them. And you're looking at each other and thinking, how the fuck did that happen, you know, and <laughs> you start to question yourself. Yeah, yeah. Go back out there and, you know, and you're kicking it off again. Yeah, and, you know, you're really, yeah. you're really behind square one, and it takes a, a really good, you know, team and a couple mm-hmm. of good individuals in that team to pull you back into a game. Yep. And, it and Jared happen. Mullen, and for for as, as good as Jared Mullen is, and as good as Stig is, who's uh, um, yeah, absolutely great young yeah, another player, revelation. Still, yeah. a, still a young, young, young pairing. These yeah. guys are the second game together, perhaps you know, in the in the, the halves. Yeah, and like you know. It's, yeah, the, no, it's you think um, you think young Stig would be getting the same attention if it wasn't for Top Gear, mate? I wonder. I mean, it makes him marketable. He does. It? I, mean, every, I mean, you hear the name; it's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, um. but he's a good little. He's a great player. Yeah, and uh, I watched him be interviewed the other day, and he stood up for himself pretty well. For additional comments on the Newcastle versus Manly game, we have Annalise, long-time listener Annalise. She sent in comments, obviously, on the Manly side of things, and then we have uh, Drew sending in the Newcastle side of things. Let's see what they had to say. Hey guys, it's Annalise here, Annalise underscore eight from Twitter. Uh, and I'm helping out Nate with the mainly Newcastle game review. I actually traveled up to this game um, with some Twitter friends from Gosford and then we went up to Newcastle. Uh, for the first time in a few months, I actually had some pretty much nerves and was pretty excited about the game. Uh, we had a really good start. Um, even though our left edge seems to be the best in the NRL, if you listen what Ray Warren said on the commentary, um, our right edge with a killer and uh, Wolfie is combining really good and really strong. Um, but after the first try was scored, only after 45 seconds, which is the quickest in the so the quickest try this season, I thought a cricket score was going to come up. Uh, you could see effort from Newcastle throughout the whole game, especially in the first half. They were up in our 20 quite a bit. But um, you can tell that our defence is getting uh, stronger um, to hold them to nil for an hour. But I still think we could have held them out all game. Of course, I'm going to go crazy over anything relating to Brett Stewart. Uh, his impact on the game is, like, since he's come back, his speed and pace is just is helping us so much. And in defence, most people don't see it, but especially when you're at the game, you can hear him yelling out to players where to go. And... Um, his long the the long passes out to the wings, especially for the second our second try to um, Robbo. There what there's what that's what we missed over the last two years. Um, it's good to see Glenn get his first try of the year. Um, he stepped up again, and you can tell that he's a senior player now. Um, I think because Brett's back in the team, and because Brett's in a happier place, you can tell that it's impacting on the whole family, and uh, it just helps. It's helping Glenn a lot. I personally don't think those Newcastle tries should have even been awarded um, now that I've watched the game back uh, Monday afternoon. The the first try didn't even hit the chalk, in my opinion, and Daly was definitely taken out of play in the second. Uh, it's good to see Brewer getting some game time lately. I know that um, Des held him back a lot through the origin period for a bit, um, but you can see he's pacing him for the finals. It was actually funny when Brewer made that made that break, and um, Brett was running up on his inside. He, Brett had to pull himself back and not go to top gear because 
Brewer's not as fast as him. And uh, he had to slow down to a jog so the pass to the on the inside wasn't a forward. Uh, overall, I had a great day and um, it was a great win. And I really, I'm really getting excited now for the finals in September. And who knows, we could be there in October. Um, it's also you've got to thank the players for actually half the traveling, half the playing group actually came over to us and gave us a big clap and and a cheer and and. And Wolfie loves us. He turns around and howls randomly throughout the game at us if there's a lull in the game, especially when um when um, Junior went down with the really really bad neck injury, um well now shoulder injury, and um Wolfie was in the back corner where all us travelling supporters were and and um we were all chanting to turn around and give us a smile and a howl and he turned around and gave us a big smile and um. That that injury looked like they were literally uh, on TV. It, obviously, they cut it down, but we were all sitting there for about ten fifteen minutes while they they strapped him up good, and um and then they were really slow taking him off the field. Um, so it was a good it was a good win. I think Melbourne's going to be hard to beat in a couple of weeks. Um, so we're playing Penrith next week at Penrith. Hopefully, they'll be a bit buggered from the. Uh, golden point game this weekend against um, Para, and looks like they've got a few injuries too. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm getting out to the game. Um, so yeah, um, go Manly, and see you later. Bye. Okay, this week in league, the Knights. Uh, the defence was woeful. Over 20 missed tackles and allowing five line breaks against a team as clinical as Manly is fucking stupid and should be punished by caning. Uh, Mullen seemed to lack direction and seemed to play around Stig, was stupid. I thought Stig played well when he had the ball, but it was like Mullen was trying to prove he was more important to the team. It was frustrating. Uh, even as a Knights fan, McManus's first try was rubbish. I, I felt bad that it was awarded to us. We don't need pity points. Uh, on the upside, Iwate uh, punished Chalk in that tackle. It was massive. I'll never forget it. You'd think it would have lifted the team, but no. <laughs> uh, shame it didn't. Uh, and conversely, Sow going down was bad. Uh, terrible thing to have happen to anybody. Uh, but no one lifted for him. You'd think better make the guys want to lift, but nope. Uh, I think the best players for the Knights were Stig and Southern. They both seemed to work their guts out. Bluey made heaps of tackles, and Stig, when he had the ball, uh, look like he wanted to try and create something and that grubber for McManus's last try <clears throat> part of me was great um, overall as a Knights fan <laughs> I'm already thinking about next year I'm happy with how they're recruiting aside from Boyd, can't wait to see the back of Dugois, he's fucking rubbish um, to finish this year if we ne- if we were going to make the 8 our defence needs to stiffen up and our halves need to be smarter with the ball we need to have a good pack Oh, sorry, we have a good pack uh, and awesome outside backs and we just need to use them. All right, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. 
And finally, Monday night footbitch. St. George Illawarra Dragons 38 defeated the Cronulla Sharks 8. The Dragons showed very early on that this game was not the same as the first time they played the Sharks this season with early tries to Cooper in the 5th minute. Brett Morris and Big Mick Wayman under the sticks in the 18th minute. Scoring for the first half was rounded out by a try to Jake Marquetto. Following a perfect night with the boot, Jamie Soward, the Dragons were out to a commanding 24-0 halftime lead. Sharkies found their attack in the second half and got on the board in the 47th minute through Josh Cordoba. They made further inroads into the Dragons lead when Colin Best scored from a break from Tagatizi. Sadly though, that would be as close as the Sharkies got on this occasion and the Dragons kicked further ahead to score another 14 points through tries to Soward and Green and of course, a Jamie Soward special to boot. Final scoreline, 38 points to 8. Now, over to Twitter for this one, at BendMeOverHopper. The Dragons put a big ginger cat named Cray amongst the pigeons tonight. Dragons will be tough to beat from here on. That's strange, because I think BendMeOverHopper's a Manly fan, so I mean... I don't like hearing that from Manly fans. Uh, and Dragons underscore Red V, I wonder who he supports, says the hash Red V were men amongst very weak girly boys tonight. Indeed they were. Now with some extra views on that game, we'll throw over to the listeners and we've got at uh, Dragonpunk12, Justin there, he's a Dragons fan obviously, he'll be giving us his side of things and we'll follow that up with uh, comments from Ben Dunn 43 and he's a poor old Sharkies fan. It was a return to the usual for the Dragons. They just became the unsubborn machine they were for the first half of the competition, just de- demolishing the Sharks in the first half. We were a perfect first half, reminiscent of the Queensland performance in Origin 3. Noble for Matt Cooper, who looked like he just wasn't injured for that six-week period and just strolled back into the team at his best ball-hogging and try-scoring best even offloading a few times to Morris, who I think was caught by surprise so much he dropped it a couple of times. But he really needs to work on those hands because he seems a bit down on confidence this year. As for the Sharkies, their bubble finally burst. They only beat the Dogs, Titans, Rabbits and Canberra. And once they finally came up against a team who could actually defend, they they lost. And those two consolation tries will give them hope, I guess, a bit that they can can maybe meet up, match at the top four teams if they get another shot in September. The Sharkies' Wade Graham gave 110% even when the game was gone and it looked like they might not even get points. He was still running at the line and trying to force something for the Sharks even when Captain Gowan went off, screwing everyone's super coach teams. They're great. I'm going to miss Gaznia, obviously, being his last home game. He gave a speech at the end, where, which was probably the most action he did all night because he didn't really get much of the ball. It seemed to go down Cooper and Morris's side, and his only stuff-up was when he thought there was going to be a home final when it's going to be at the SFS and ANZ. Same with Nottingham for his 100th. He didn't really do much. But he's the solid winger that I wouldn't trade for anyone else. The Cronulla banner was a success. <laughs> it got on TV a few times, and Kate got a couple of people to, who wanted to take a picture of it. And it even got a run in front of the Sharky supporters group as we were leaving. Okay, Ben Dunn signing in to uh, give his thoughts on the Sharks-Dragons match. Um... I thought the the biggest tell at the start of the game was the fact that um, Michael Wayman and the St George uh, forward pack came out all guns blazing, uh, as the Sharks had done in round two, and the Sharks forward pack just didn't seem to aim up this week. 
Um, and that was sort of the biggest thing that they just kept going forward and rolling over the top of us, putting on big hits, we're coughing up the ball, uh, and just making silly mistakes. And as a result, it uh, it took about 14 minutes for the Sharks to actually get their second set on the board. Uh, <clears throat> part of that was actually helped by the fact that Ben Pomeroy was less than useless uh, last night. In fact, I think my 18-month-old daughter could have done a lot better than he did in defence. He was uh, an open book, so they say, and he <laughs> couldn't close it at any stage. And uh, I don't think he could have even caught a cold last night. Uh, things that irk me about St George of the War, um, number one would be Jamie Soward. Number two would be Jamie Soward's kicking for goal. The fact that we've seen him in origin uh, take kicks at goal with less than 30 seconds run up. Yet last night every kick has to take minutes upon minute um, and his stupid, smug little sucking in face, squinty's eye thing just makes me want to bash him. Um, <clears throat> add to that the fact that Laurie Daly is the biggest dragon pulse mocha uh, I've ever come across, and my fury was at an all-time high last night listening to him basically talk while he had Darius Boyd's balls in his mouth. If I have to listen to that every week, I'm probably going to vomit all over my TV and cancel my Foxtel subscription. It's just incredible. Um, but probably the two biggest issues to come out of the game last night as a Sharks fan, outside of the result, of course, uh, Paul Gallon's calf injury. Hopefully it doesn't keep him out this week. He has been named, but whether he can actually back up with the amount of work he's done in the last couple of months and uh, and play through an injury will be interesting to see if it, if it occurs. Uh, and the other would be Matt Wright um, suffering what could have been a potentially career or life-ending injury as uh, courtesy of Michael, I look like a thumb, Wayman, uh, pulling out some WWE shit and uh, doing some sort of chicken wing guillotine break the dude in half move and it's incredible that it hasn't been punished and I hope the NRL realises that they've just okayed another grapper, crash or crasher, whatever, tackle and uh, all hell is going to break loose now and they've only got themselves to blame. Uh, but other than that, I guess Sharks weren't good enough last night, just didn't name up like Flanagan and, and Gauth said in the after match. Uh, press conference, Dragons too good, especially in that first half, and uh, more power to them. But hopefully the Sharks can build from here and uh, and still make the eight. And uh, as I say, it's a whole new ball game in the finals. Thanks, guys. Previews for round 20 of 2011 kickoff Friday night football game number one, the Canterbury Bulldogs versus Parramatta Eels. You know, I'm, um, I hate these, both these teams, to be honest, <laughs> but I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Yeah, and based on what? I think the fact that they're at home yep. and they're due for a win, there's been a bit of turmoil in the club yep. and the players just might get their heads together and, um, you know, rally. Do it for... The- 
do, do no, what they should have done. I don't know they're going to do it for, do really. It for, they should have been doing it for, for the, the coach. coach yeah. but, uh, it really annoys me to think that way. But, um, you know, Parramatta, have, they're, like, they're a little bit like us at the moment. They're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, the the massive news for this game for for listeners of the show is um the mascot of our show essentially a player that we took under our wing, and um have pumped him up to massive level. He's only played about one game in first grade. <laughs> we call him the Ottoman. He's uh, and he's also known as the Pain Train, Joel Romolo. Oh right. Have you seen him? Have you seen him go around? I haven't taken he's, any um, notice, mate. We yeah. took a shine to him. He, he replaced. Uh, I think Ennis was injured early last season. Oh, he played okay. one game. He hits like Gilmister, except really? yeah. except with this extra level of aggression that he wants to really kill them <laughs> and um, all, all, all legal um, uh, other notable things that's happened to him he used to play for Penrith in the lower grades and his first the first article I think I could ever find about him on the internet was at training one day uh, he started punching shit out of Trent Waterhouse <laughs> and uh, so Matty Elliott just said look you two get behind the shed finish it off come back to training really so, and then so now he's ended up in the lower grades at Bulldog he's a, he's a hooker by trade but he's played um, he's played in the halves for the, for the New South Wales yeah. Cup side uh, Dimmick's finally ringing some changes he's dropped Josh Morris to yep. to New South Wales Cup Ennis is, in, <coughs> Ennis is injured potentially for the whole se- for the rest of the season Romolo gets his chance starting first grade in the number nine we've been talking him up for two years on the show well let's hope he gets and it so to, hopefully, to the occasion hopefully I, I, I'm going to tip Canterbury just because I want to see Romolo take some, take some of Jared's yeah. ribs and see what Beautiful. happens yep. Jared, Jared's finally being actually named as 5'8 five five eight, eight, um, yeah. and that's going to put him right in the firing line for some shots and uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, he's tough. Yeah, he's tough. He is. Yeah. He is. Oh, it must be. It must kill you to say nice things about New South Wales. Oh, players, look, yeah? you know, it, 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 during your origin period, it does. <laughs> but, you know, the, the hatred doesn't. Um, it isn't a personal hatred. Yeah. It's just the fact that uh, you know Queensland should hate New South Wales, and New South Wales should hate Queensland, and. Yeah. You know, we accept that. And yeah. <laughs> there's times when we can... Um, but it doesn't take the individuals out of the game. And, and I'm a footy fan, so... Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of Jared Haynes. I yeah. mean, I don't... Look, I'm not going to hide behind anything. But yeah. I'm also a fan of Josh Dugan. So, yeah. you know, and I think that Josh Dugan was probably the better choice for, for fullback. He was. It's a shame he seems to be very injury-prone. It kind of took him out You know of... why? Because he involves himself and he plays... He does everything he does in a game, he does it at full pelt. Yeah. Especially and like that's the returns. Why he's such no... a success. Yeah. But it does make him a little bit prone to injury. And yeah. I watched the game, uh, some snippets of the game on the weekend, yeah. and watched him particularly again because I am a fan of his. Yeah. And uh, he does everything at 100 miles an hour. And he goes into every tackle in bad positional you know, yeah. postures. No, no sense of self-preservation. No, no sense of preservation whatsoever, yeah. just to get the job done. But that same awkwardness mm-hmm. when he runs the ball is what is his, his greatest asset. Sure. Because he can go in and... and uh, meet a, a defender in a very awkward body position, but all of a sudden out the other side. he's out the other side and gone. Yeah. So that's his strength. Okay. Friday night football game number two: the Melbourne Storm versus Brisbane Broncos. Key match up down there. I'm going to go the Storm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Cameron Smith will pull out a blinder. Yep. And he'll lead the way. And uh, as a result of that, it'll be a tough night for the Broncos. Last time they played, Storm got a, a narrowish victory over Broncos that were yep. purposely resting uh, some of their Origin players, like yeah. you know, Lockie and uh, yep. I think Thido was also rested for that game. So um, Storm, the Storm, I mean, they smashed Canberra on the weekend, obviously twenty six blot. That's the first time they've actually smashed someone in quite a while. They seem to be just sort of grinding out these, you know, but they have been playing wins. well. 
Yeah, they have they, been playing well. Yeah, they certainly haven't looked like... their way, and they're building into the end of the season, which is always a great sign. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, what do you reckon, Storm? Uh, if you're a betting man, what are we going to say? Oh, I don't. Just one twelve. Yeah, I, that's what I'm a. What, what do they call it? Head to head, mate. I don't yeah, care. Head to head. All right. Yeah. So, Storm to win it. Yep. No worries. Super Saturday game number one: the Gold Coast Titans, your guys versus the Cowboys. That's skill. <laughs> We're getting closer to a win every loss we have. So the law of averages says that we're due. And, and look, I take great faith out of the way we played in the first half mm-hmm. against the Broncos. Uh, if we can repeat that, the only the only concerning factor for me is that Ashley Harrison's out. Yeah, and what's and the status he, of that injury? Is uh, it... He did have a little operation on that injury, and yeah. um, he, he'll be he'll be back, you know, soon enough. But it did. He will. Require... He will. He will make it back before the end of the season. There's a big possibility okay. that he will. Yeah, and um, they might choose. He might choose to rest it. I don't know. I mean, yeah. if anybody deserves a rest, sure. Ashley Harrison does. Yeah. Um, he's a fantastic player. He's one of my favourite players of of all time. Uh, for Queensland, the Broncos, the Rabbitohs, the Titans, whoever. He's just gives one hundred percent every time he walks onto the field. Yeah. Nobody pushes him. Nobody asks him. It's in him, and he's uh, he's just a a marvellous rugby league player. So with him not there, it's going to make it tougher for us. But um, I think we can do it. I mean, they're going to be without Thurston again. Exactly. So they're it's traveling. one of those games. You don't know which Cowboys side is going to turn no, up. Exactly right. I don't know what the status of Matt Scott will no, be. No, I don't weekend. have it down here either. Uh, but with them traveling down here, I think it gives us a little bit of an advantage. Agree, agree. Yeah. And I think everybody should get their asses skilled. Oh, I hope you, I hope they do, Nate, because... Um, can you announce a special? Is it going to be half-price <laughs> tickets? <laughs> I'd love to be able to. Can I lie? <laughs> Only if you're going to be the guy standing there. No, the no, no, I'll be hiding. I'll be hiding. Yeah. I'll be up in Brisbane. You know, look, it'll be a great game. And, and it's on a Saturday afternoon. Yep. You should be finished at the beach by then. And, sure thing. You know, get the kids and, and come down. And, and you'll be home by uh, 8.30. And it's getting warmer too. It is, yeah. So it's not going yeah. to be as freezing as, as it can be. And we really need some help. We do. Yep. Um, you know, everybody says that. But we do, we'd love to get some support here and, and really get some fans on, on Saturday. Saturday night cheering us. And uh, two Queensland sides too. I mean, it might be a bit more built-in support anyway. True, yeah. We well. always have a good crowd. And there's yep. been, I know corporately there's been a, uh, a good good um, interest. So, yep. yeah. Okay, so you're going to tip the Titans? Yeah. You're going to do it? Yeah, they you're are. training well? They All right, are, then. yeah. Okay, Ron, you heard it here first. Titans specials. And uh, Bo Henry's playing. So. And Bo Henry's debut for the Titans yes. after the injury yeah. we spoke about earlier has uh, recovered. Yeah. And so he'll be starting in uh, as 5'8"? Yes, Brilliant. Wonder how Princey will go with him. Oh, I think Princey's got enough experience to play with anybody there. Yeah. And um, you know, one the one thing that that um, uh, Princey needs is some somebody to help him. It's a bit like the Farah Marshall sure. combination, you know. And and uh, Matty Sharma, who hasn't put a foot wrong for us. How, how good is he? He going? is. He's just. Where, and you know, he's a best little him? bloke. He's an Ipswich boy. He's a local kid that came up through the system. Yeah. And uh, lobbed on our doorstep, mate, and we we took him under our, our wing. He came into the twenty side, yeah. And um, he, he he it's a really funny story because when I first saw him, he was playing in the under twenties, and and I'm thinking, why is Nathan Friend playing under twenties? Because <laughs> he had the headgear, he had the same style, the defence, the way he runs the ball. Yeah, it just he he's a a real copy of of Friendy. Yeah, and uh, he's got his opportunities through. Injury, Nathan's yeah. injury, obviously, and um, you know he, he really still reminds me of Friendy the way he plays. Yeah, he's in everything. He's yeah. in every tackle. He's in every run the ball. He tries his hardest, and he has not put a foot wrong. Uh, for a young kid, the amount of responsibility that uh, 
uh, Cardi bestowed upon him, he stood up and, and really handled it perfectly. It's great. I mean, certainly, yeah. I, mean, I think if, uh, if Titans fans would have been... Um, you know, nervous about the the loss of friend at the end of the year. I mean, since since, exactly since right. Ramos come yeah. aboard, I mean they'd be feeling a lot better about things now. And it's you know by having uh, a guy like a specialist halfback or five eight come into the side yeah. to support um, uh, Princey, yep. it's going to take a little bit of pressure off Matty Sharma as well, for sure, because it's going to give him better options from dummy half. And, and you, you may that... even see him run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. And I like it when he runs the ball because he's got good speed and he's got an uncanny ability to duck. Yeah. Exactly the same as Nathan Friend. Had. And, yeah, and he's and he's not that he's not that massive to start with. No. So when he ducks, you've got to get pretty low. Exactly to get him. right. And he's just as likely to come out the other side full steam. You know. Yeah. So yeah. and I love that about hookers that the, the ones that can do that. So yeah, it's hopefully... rather, rather than your ones like a like a Carrot Walters who had he stuck his head right up and never done. Carrot, Carrot could nearly touch his ass with the back of his head <laughs> when he ran. But uh, it's funny that um, in such a tough year with the Titans, we've introduced some really really good players. You know, like mm-hmm. Ryan James. How and, good was um, he before the injury? Unbelievable, mate. You know, and then little Matty come on board and. And obviously Jordan Rankin stepped up for a couple of games yep. as well, and he never put a foot wrong either. So, yep. uh, you know, it does go well with the with the future for us that we uh, and and really pleasing that we've been able to produce all those three kids as local juniors. Yep. And for them to all come out at once. And that's always. Do you feel like it was kind of like really early in the cycle for the Titans? It's to get fourth year, mate. Yeah. You yeah, know, I that's mean, ridiculous to think yeah. that we've plucked three first graders out of our twenties competition that have all come into the grade. Yep. And not put a foot wrong yep that's that's an amazing uh, conversion it is. it is you got you got me convinced you convinced me Titans are specials the more you there put you on the more you get back <laughs> <laughs> super Saturday game oh, damn. we'll soon find out about it Sunday morning on Twitter I'll bet <laughs> oh, yeah. oh you're going to cop it now aren't you oh yeah no it's fucked me no, no, no Thurston no chance Titans yeah. specials super Saturday game number two West Tigers versus the Sydney Roosters big game for the Tigers last game at Leichhardt for the season yeah, I think them. they can win. Um, I think the Roosters have been playing like dead set bastards of late. Um, they got they managed to eke out that win against the Panthers uh, the other week, but I think that was quite possibly a product of the Panthers playing well below themselves rather than the Roosters playing that yeah. amazingly. Um, they were well below themselves yeah. that night. Uh, one thing the Roosters are lacking this season is defence, and the ti- Tigers, if they really want a game to kind of tune it up the their attack again, that we know they're all capable of, then. I have a feeling, especially you know, like art where they sort of... The hard thing with the Roosters is when you look at their playing roster and you go through them individually as players, yep. they've got decent players It's there, mystifying. It's like the dogs as well. I mean, Sean Kenny Dowell is as good a player as you'll find in this competition every day yep. of the week. You know, And you get into uh, Todd Carney and you get into uh, Mitchell Pearce, State of Origin halfback, mm-hmm. Braith and Nasta, you know, the level of experience yep. and, and knowledge that he brings to the game every week. And then you have a look at the giants that they've got and yep. Uasala or whatever. You, yeah, Frank Paul, Frank Paul, the wrecking ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the little half, a little hooker mate that just plays his ring out every week. Yep. Uh, Jake Friend. Yep. Like you'd just think that they'd be going. And Sammy Perrett, who's never had a bad game in his life. You'd just think that they'd be going better than what they are. Yeah. And the fact that they played in last year's grand final, you know, it's and and it's as confusing and as bemusing as it is that the Titans are in the position they, they're in because it was, you know, second and third last year. Yeah, and I mean, and even yep. for sort of the Roosters, it was like spoon final. And then, yep. you know, 
they're, they're short of getting a spoon. So the uh, the measurement between the penthouse and the shit house isn't that far, <laughs> mate. <laughs> no, it could happen to any of us. Exactly <laughs> right. In, in Ask the K-Man. <laughs> Ask the K-Man. He's still reeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Geez, I mean, they asked to get into the grand final. Like, yeah, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Super Saturday, game number three. Cronulla Sharks at home to the Newcastle Knights. For no other reason than um, the fact that they're at home, I'm going to go with the Sharks. Yep. I, I know Gullen's out, but I didn't see enough in Newcastle last week to think that they can beat them down there. Agree. And the Sharks, since they've had a couple of like uh, Townsend and guys like this come on, I mean, their attack is actually, you know, they their, actually their have Their little fullback offer. mate is outstanding. Oh, uh, he is so dangerous from anywhere on the field, mm-hmm. and he plays with every ounce of energy that he's got. Yep. And, and that's what uh, rugby league's about. The blokes that play with energy yep. and, um, and, and keep enthusiastic uh, are the ones that, that really have consistent form week in and week out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sharky's obviously came across on Monday night, but, you know, the difference between the Dragons and the Knights is a pretty, pretty big difference in my opinion. So, <coughs> yeah, there was, there Sharky's... Was, yeah. Yeah, you have to go to the Sharkies. You're absolutely right. Okay, over to Sunday football. Game number one, South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the New Zealand Warriors. Yeah, oh. I've tipped the Warriors, actually. Yeah. What do you make of the Rabbitohs? Once again, I they're love, another team. I love like the Rabbitohs. The roster. I love them. I tell you, they've got so many uh, quirks about them. Yeah. And, you know, to see the way that they finished that game the other night and for Sandow to drop that field goal. From, like, halfway. Absolutely. Like, massive. You know, and... But... To put themselves into that position, they should never. They should have been in control of that game much better than what they were. For sure. Uh, why they weren't, I don't know. And to do that without Dave Taylor, I think is a major achievement. And, and, and half Sam their pack, Burgess. I mean, they've had a yeah. lot of injuries. Yeah, they really have, and and the, they're just a team that keeps hanging in there. And yep. I I hope they have more luck, and I want them to win, mm-hmm. and that's why I've tipped them. Okay, so you want you want? I'm changing. You're changing. You yeah. Flip, okay, it's you've the rabbits. convinced me, mate. Oh, you'll never hear me say good word. <laughs> I think I think the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors are starting. I think if they're going to start to tune up and, yeah. and, and get towards the, the final contenders that they apparently are every season, they've been good the last couple. Well, they've of, got my favourite player in the in the Warriors. Oh, and who's your favourite? Manu Varavai. He's your favourite player. Oh, he currently is running just around. the beast. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he certainly is. He certainly is. I uh, I cheer for him louder than anyone else <laughs> in the team. I, I think he's just a great kid and. Uh, Tremendous rugby league player, and he's the sort of the player that every side needs. Sure, yeah, he's definitely a personality as well as like a massive. He has, he gets that little gold tooth grin yeah. going, mate, you know, <laughs> and it just wins you every time, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking. I think the Warriors. I mean, if they're going to be the contenders that everyone likes to think they are, then they need to start proving it against guys like you know the Rabbits. So I'm gonna to have to go against your chop and go. Yeah, no, no, no dramas. I can understand that, mate, and I and my head tells me the Warriors. Yep. But my, I really want Rabbitohs to win. All right. Sunday football, game number two. Match of the round. Penrith Panthers at home to the mighty Manly Sea Eagles. I, I can't tip against Manly the Eagles 50. at the moment. Manly, Manly by 30. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> you've gone from 50 to 30 pretty quick. I, I was thinking 50. I was like, I was like 50. No, no. Is Pedro back? Is he playing? Uh, I don't know. I assume it's Pedro would be playing, but yeah. um, I don't actually have the team list in front of me for that game. they're a very different team without him. Aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but even with everything that they've got going for them, playing at home, the whole lot, I think Manly are just too strong for them at the moment. And I would ordinarily give Panthers some chance 
uh, with Luke Lewis in the side, considering the yeah, way he's played no since doubt. he came back from his last no injury. Doubt, mate. Yeah, but yeah. Um, if he doesn't play, and I don't think he's going to play this weekend, um, best case scenario, he's definitely you know he won't play this weekend. Yeah. So if he's not playing, I have to say Manly uh, fairly convincingly. Uh, if I was betting on it, you know, I'd take the thirteen plus on offer, which is probably only paying like a dollar and one. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're good odds, aren't they? Yeah. And moving along to yeah, Monday night football, a million dollars on the win hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Monday night football, bitch. Canberra Raiders versus. St. George Illawarra Dragons in Canberra it is the kind of the bogey ground for the Dragons they've lost a couple of times there there's oh, not enough St. George by how not many? enough information that could take me away from the Dragons so I mean this is this is the would be the special of the round as, as big a fan of Joshy Dugans that I am yeah. I couldn't tip against the he Dragons he can't do it alone no he can't <laughs> do it alone um, yeah, Dragons by how many um, I'll be throwing them on a multi at like 13 plus for sure um, I'm, I'm Sorry, Canberra. They're just not going to be yeah, good enough. Yeah, no, it's going to be a tough night for the, at the office for the Dragons, but I think they'll get away with it. That's full time for episode number 57. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter, so follow at TWI League. During games, we'll let you know the match-specific hashtags that everyone's using as well. On Facebook, we have busted through the 720 likes barrier. So uh, welcome to all our new Facebook friends, and if you enjoy the show, make sure you spread the love around. And actually, it'd be remiss to me, while we're talking about Twitter, Chop on Twitter, at Chop59. Yeah, get on. C-H-O-P-59, get on there. He chats to everyone. I mean, let's face it. Now listen, can I ask you something, Nate? Go for it. I think that we're far too serious about these hashtags for the NRL. I think the funny ones should be used. (laughs) Well, there is is a school of thought out there. (laughs) I can't remember a couple of them, but there's, you know, the... The, it was uh, Titans Manly. There's like Titman. Yeah, Titman. You know? What's wrong with that? Yeah. Know, get, let the NRL get a little bit of humour about exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, I can understand. There's, there's, there are two schools of thought. Like, there's the funny ones, and then there's also, and then there's the thought of the people who sort of use the abbreviations that that Fox uses. Like, you know, so Canterbury will be like CBY yeah. and Manly. Well, yeah. you know, and that's that's fine. And I mean, that, I agree with the, those guys on the fact that um, consistency is important. As long as everyone's using the same thing, I think it, I don't care what it is. Yeah, no, that's you know? right. But yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day. I, I don't, and this, I'm asking this through sheer ignorance. If um, if you trend, yeah, you don't get any money for it, do you? No, not at all. So what's the fucking point? That's basically. Let's make it funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go, everyone. And I mean, how many, how many followers you got on Twitter? Uh, sixteen hundred and sixteen, I think, at the moment. So there you go, sixteen hundred. I mean, we've got around fifteen hundred, I think, for the, the yeah. show. And I mean, I got you know probably six six hundred or so individually. So I think you know, we can make a push for it. You think of a funny one, you push I, it out. I guarantee well, it'll I, go. I, I won't be. I'm not <laughs> smart enough, but I, you guys will be, Nate. I know you guys will be. This is your forte, and the funnier the better. And I think that if we can get the funny ones trending, then you know, most people yeah. are more inclined to jump on board the humorous than they are the serious. Sure. And I think the NRL needs to recognise that and get a little bit of fun going, and throw some stupid stuff out yeah. there. At the and public. I think, that, and that's part that's part of the issue. I think why there's such a like a, a division in between how the tags run because no one's running it. You know, like yeah, the NRL, no consistency. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure if the AFL. I think the AFL might actually push their tags out, yeah. and, they are, and they are serious. So, you know, probably yeah. along the lines of a lot of the NRL ones um, yeah. to you know get themselves trending and all that sort of thing. And I guess really the only benefit out of it is like his profile. I mean, there's no yeah. monetary, or well, no direct monetary no, gain or anything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, funny ones are great. Well, the fact I mean, is that it changes every week. Yeah. There can't be any 
um, commercial gain out of sure. it. So there's no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and your team I mean, is, is going to be the team that's going to be involved in the comedy tag every the week, tits. pretty much, because you're always going to be tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put off your tits. Exactly. Yeah. Um, iTunes, keep the reviews coming. Cow tits. Isn't it? What did somebody come <laughs> up with a well, cow this, tits? Yeah, well, this week, I mean, you're at home, so it'd have to be tit cows or oh, something. Tit but, cows. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you can change it to cow tits. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah. As, as long as it's consistency, I mean, it's all good. Exactly. Right. Um, iTunes, keep those reviews coming. More reviews the better we got a review from this week Todd Hasthorpe said funny as hell very informative there's a lot of bias but who gives a flying fuck that's how footy is love it beautiful now another review from Curtis Williams who is at Linear on Twitter he's a mate of ours he actually uh, shouted us to the All-Star game this year so we love him as a Can't listener like that Awesome. Glenn, Glenn likes the bagging, but he's a Manly fan, so I mean, you know, I love him even more. He's left a review. He, uh, he, he took me to task on Twitter saying that I didn't read his review out uh, when it was made last week or the week before. I'm sure I did, but just in case, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, the title's been truncated, so it's the only, only NRL program you something need, I suppose he said. Featuring vast rugby league knowledge, parochial hosts, mascots like the Ottoman, Robbie Rochow, and Sharkman 05. Miss this and risk being as sad and friendless as a Sharks fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Sharks have been confident. They've got some funny people too. Oh, they do. Uh, Vossi7, mate, he makes me laugh my head off. And, that guy, he'll, he'll yeah, fight to the death. He and will. De- and defend, and, and defend yeah. John Morris as being a quality hooker. Absolutely, mate. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that that's great stuff. That oh, is it's just fantastic stuff. And, They've all got some humour in them, mate. You know, yeah. they've all got some uh, real wit about them, and yeah. I-, I love it for that. You the know. Um, the Sharkman 05 that uh, Curtis mentioned in his review was an incident after Manly in the Sharks game, and you remember Manly were down 13 nil, came back and tied at 13 all, and with seconds on the, the literally the last possession of the match, it was going to Golden Point extra time. Jamie Lyon put a kick in, it bounced up perfectly for Oldfield length of the field, scored the sure. try. Yeah. Manly kicked the conversion, they ended up winning 19-13. This Sharkman 05. Obviously, as a listener of the show, knew that um that I was a Manly fan. Got on Twitter afterwards, and he's like, "Oh, if I saw you on the street, I wouldn't fucking swerve to miss you. And I hope, I hope you, I hope your cat dies. I hope your missus cheats on you." Oh, he just went absolutely mental. From, it was your fault. It, it's yeah. literally my fault. And um and like the game was a, it was a, the late game on Saturday, so it finished at nine thirty. He was going on until like 1am. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> After that, yeah. I think he sobered up and realised what he'd done and deleted his Twitter yeah. account. Um, oh, it's funny, funny guy though. But um, yeah, we'd love to see Sharkman make a return. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> listeners that would like to, <laughs> like to have a word. Sounds like it, yeah. So, but he's disappeared, has he? Off literally literally that night he deleted... Because he, he also got on our Facebook and he's like going... Uh, and then he, he put like a one-star review on iTunes saying oh, this show sucks. <laughs> oh, oh. It was a classic saga. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and he pretty much deleted everything. Um, his brother follows the bunnies and he's a listener and he does interact with us on Twitter. And he said that he is back on Facebook now, but he hasn't come back to Twitter yet. Hasn't um, he? His brother will dob him in when he is though. There's, <laughs> he uh, you see some monumental battles, don't you, through oh, the fans. Like, especially. Uh, last Friday, the battle... Battle between uh, some Broncos and Cruzio Cruzi Six uh, on, and, on uh, uh, Garbs, didn't they rip it? Oh, ripped it! I mean, absolutely. And, yeah. and they, before that happened, they hadn't actually followed each other or anything really. No. Um, no. And then since then, because I've actually uh, I haven't met Garbs in person, but um, I've met Cruzi a couple of times before games yeah. and before the Origin and before the Manly uh, Broncos doubleheader the other in May. Yeah. And um, 
he's he's a he's a great guy, and so I thought I basically just sent the message to both of them, and then put the the video. Well, you, clip you from... virtually had to become the uh, arbitrator, didn't you? Between I did. The, I did. I just, I, the I just pasted a link for YouTube for um, yeah. the for the war <laughs> film clip for why can't we be friends? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and now and now they've worked it through, and now they're actually chatting. They're a giving lot. it to each other, <laughs> but in a humorous way yeah. now, and I, that, I think that's fair. They're actually interacting by themselves. Yeah. They're yeah. not. Uh, yeah. That's great. That's yeah, fantastic. So I'm going to get those yeah. two to hug in person. But you know, people aren't very much like most people are very much the same yeah and yeah. there's only just those little uh, differences that uh that makes us argue and if we can um, always remember that um you know it's not it's 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 not death it's not yeah. life or death it's a bit of fun and yeah. and, and, and don't take don't take it like too personal I no mean, you know if your team has a loss and someone gives it to you because let's face it i mean i'm a new south wales fan i've, I've been on the receiving end but yeah. i'm a manly fan i've been on the giving end exactly so, right. <laughs> i know I've, I've seen both sides epic, epic dominance yeah. and epic being dominated um, but you know i always yeah. think that you go to bed the next day you wake up the sun's still shining mate exactly you know, it's, it's another day to get through so life's too short to waste it on uh bitter disputes on twitter <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly but if it's in good nature go hard guys go for it yeah. um and you can go hard uh, sign up on our website become a member of the twill nation this week in league.com hang out in the forums real fans of rugby league get access also to members only content like bloopers from each episode when they happen which is funny because not every week they, it's not every nah. week the bloopers happen unfortunately like this week professional operation Absolutely, there's been mate, nothing you know, a couple of uh, seasoned professionals <laughs> <laughs> well you put, put me around a professional and I've, and, I've, and I've risen to the occasion um and we also, if we put up any ringtones or you know other nonsense uh, from time to time, that's available for members as well. Tipping, ESL tipping. Well, actually, I went to check the tipping results, and Oz tips is down for 48 hours while they're rolling over a new website. Why they do that in the middle of the season, I have no idea. But I did check them on Monday, and it, to the best of my recollection, I'll have to give you the top five as I remembered it. Uh, ESL, the other one, is still in the lead, five games ahead. Rich to tips to second. BJM eight and Warrior Bunny tied for third. I'm in fifth. A couple of games back, so probably not a contender, but I might get a spot place. Uh, NRL tipping. I do remember how this... There was some change at the top. Fabsy, still number one by a couple of points, and I think she may have even extended it because she got a perfect round, so Dragon. bonus points. Dragons yeah. fan, yep. So obviously, yeah. <laughs> when, if they're tipping with Honestly, you... Honestly, we had a, when I, I had a hotel. Uh, one girl won the uh, the tipping competition, and uh, she was a... Ma- um, Storm supporter, yeah. The year they won the premiership, yeah. Which would have been um... they never won a premiership. Asterisk won that year, remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got to hold the trophy yeah. up. So, so I said so yeah. yeah, she actually put all her tips in at the start of the year. Yeah. And uh, won the footy tipping competition at wow. the hotel. Yeah. Why bother? <laughs> if that could happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, this week, uh, Bobby Bronco moved up from third into second. S. Jack V, he went down from second to fourth. Freak, sorry, Bobby Bronco went up to third, and Freak09 went up to second. So there was a bit of a shuffle around in a couple of places. I'm sitting in sixth, and as I love to delight each week, Glenn, 35th. Um, and that's the best of my recollection. Uh, obviously, you can get in there. I think the Thursday at 2 a.m., I think, is when... Uh, so by the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to log into the tipping and, uh, and see where you're sitting anyway. Uh, finally, Punt Club, our gracious sponsors... Punt Club, Punt Club. Everyone loves Punt Club. Last week, Glenn was in Fiji, so I was our sole tipster. So what happens, Chop, is um, Punt Club give us some cash to bet with each oh, week. okay, yeah. Um, and promote their service. And, you, you know, Punt Club's all about where, you know, you get a group of mates together. You can oh, sign, okay. sign up on the site. Yep. Uh, get a group of mates together. <clears> and you say, okay, you'll sign up. And you say, look, we're going to stick in 20 bucks a week or something, yeah. 20 bucks a fortnight. And then we're going to bet the lot of it or we'll bank half of it. Yep. And we'll bet half of it. And then, so each week it rotates. One person gets their turn sure. to bet with the combined pool of funds. Yeah. So, um, 
we've got a punk club um, and punk club uh, generously gives some cash to, to spread around and we got whatever the balance is at the end we're going to give it into some sort of charity at the Fantastic. end of the season yeah, so it's a great idea yeah it's, it's a great idea if, if as long as we actually come out with some money because let me tell you we're not that good at tipping don't worry but uh, <laughs> we um, aren't either and so um, last week I picked a, a ridiculous multi that was going to pay about $400 um the only reason that multi loss was because the Cowboys didn't beat the Tigers. Otherwise, it would have oh, been home, so I was spewing. No. I also did a couple of first try scorers that didn't come through for Manly, but I did do like a hedging multi that said Manly 13+, plus, Dragons 13+, plus, Storm 13+, plus, and that came through, and I think I had five bucks on that, and I think it brought back about 40. So, That's right. So it was good. Certainly covered all the losses, and we, we finished uh, well ahead for the week, which is good. Now, are you involved in any charities? Um, not... Not per se, but yeah, I'm a patron of a organisation called Teenage Adventure Camps Queensland, and um, well, these guys are a local Gold Coast charity, and, and what they do, mate, is that they bring people, uh, teenagers down that have, uh, are, you know, basically in palliative care, mm-hmm. um, who you know have been given a, a life sentence. Yep, and they uh, allow them to have experiences uh, like riding riding on the back of. Um, uh, Harley Davidsons sure. and getting in boats and skydiving, sure. hot air ballooning, all those sort of and things. Stuff that they would never uh, have the never have the opportunity to do, and they, and they bring them down, and they're completely voluntary. It's all volunteer. There's no uh, paid people, and yep. they all get together. They have a week at uh, at uh, Carumban yep. on the Gold Coast, and and um, people just give everything they've got to make sure these kids get some sort of joy. In the, yeah, uh, you know, in their final. Do they bring them down? Are there, are there like a couple of retreats a year, or they just or they do it once a it's year? It's normally or? one big yep. one big thing a year, and they have a couple of events a year to raise money. They always yep. have a sportsman's lunch at Crum and RSL uh, on an annual basis. Uh, myself and Scotty Sattler are actually the patrons of the yep. organisation, and um, a great group of people, fantastic group of people that work tirelessly to try and make the difference for those poor kids at. You know, having a real tough battle yeah. in their lives. Oh, yeah. sounds good. Sounds good. And what's the what's the, the website for that that people can look at? It would be mate. It's just TACQ, T-A-C-Q. Yeah. Okay. So, and um, it'd come up. Uh, I'm sure is, you know, come up and it's just plug T-A-C-Q into Google. It'll come up. It should do. Yeah. So yeah, get on it, guys. Sounds like a good cause. All in upper case. Yeah. Well, yep, no worries. And finally, for me, uh, competition time. As you know, basically we're finally getting to the stage where we're going to get some merchandise together. So, got a designer uh, finalising sure. designs. Yeah. We're going to get some t-shirts, a couple of different designs relating to, you know, catchphrases and stuff like that that the show has. Yep. Um, and what we're going to do is the first batch that we produce, we're going to basically put it out there for fans. Okay, the shirts are available. First group of pre-orders and how many there are. Yeah. We'll order that batch and we're actually going to get that batch numbered individually. But the very first shirt, the number one shirt we're giving away. So... Um, I go through the rules every week. Uh, save time this week. I'm not going to go through the rules of competition. It basically, revo- you know, involves you know following us on Twitter, like on Facebook, sure. yeah. drop us a review on iTunes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to give it uh, randomly uh, give it away the first one to someone who's fulfilled all that criteria. Sure. The shirts are just about to go into production, so um, it'll be not too long now before it's drawn. But if you want to get all the various rules and everything and the things you need to do to win, go to uh, bitly bit.ly forward slash twillcomp t w i l comp, and uh, that'll link straight to our website. It's on this week in league com to you might have to uh, scroll back through you know a couple of a couple of entries mm-hmm. to get to it but uh, otherwise go to bitly bit.ly forward slash twill comp and that is all i have for the show so thank you very much choppy for your time oh, look, mate, it's very it's... generous we've gone over a, a fair way <laughs> than we initially had arranged look mate um 
I appreciate you actually asking me to be part of it. And I think it's, uh, you know, anything that can promote our game, rugby league, and particularly with a bit of humour, yep. and uh, can cross all boundaries, mate, that's a great, a great uh, relief and release for all supporters, uh, whether they be New South Wales, Queensland, whether they be Manly or Dragons, yep. you know. Uh, this is what our game needs to stay strong, mm-hmm. and uh, I congratulate you, mate, and I'm very oh, happy thanks. to be a part of it. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. And I'll also give, give a shout-out to Paraman uh, as well. The give, K-Man, give, give Kyle, Because Kyle was the initial... I mean, he, months ago, he was talking about... You know, when he first started not, not going back and forth yeah. you, he was, he was trying to he was trying to say, you know, you should get Chop on. And also, uh, Nigel Bridgman, I think he was the, the first one to actually come up with a suggestion as co-host in, you know, I replacing Glenn yeah, for this week. So, that. yeah. So, and, um, you know, the good... The, Tough thing for K Man is, you know, he's had a bad year with Para. Yeah. And uh, his cat's gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and he's that... had a double whammy, mate. Yeah. <laughs> there you hear that. that there you go, uh, Para Man. Uh, you're basically losing at life. And uh, that's the word according to Choppy. <laughs> so that's all for me this week. See you next time. <laughs> Okay, guys, this is Nate. Just want to add a small postscript to the episode. Obviously, it's all done and dusted with Chop, but we're talking about his uh, his record with the Manly Sea Eagles and um, whether or not he had actually cracked the 100-game barrier. Well, um, you may have heard me mention during the show that uh, the final port of call was to contact uh, David Middleton, who is obviously the NRL stats guru. Uh, I did receive an email from, from Mido, and this is what it had to say. Hi Nate, I can confirm that Chris Close definitely played 19 games in 1984 and his total for the club was 100. I can also confirm that there's quite a few dodgy sites out there with records. Agreed, agreed and agreed. And thank you very much Mido for that. So Choppy, it's official. Mido is the guru. You played 100 games for Manly at the end. And finally before I get out of here, just want to give another plug remember guys uh friday night so tomorrow night in brisbane at the arena 22nd of july we've got the underground mma cage fighting series i'm going to be there tickets start 45 dollars you can get ringside for like 85 bucks ridiculous doors open at six kicks off at 7 30 with the action and you can get your tickets at undergroundcfs.com you can also see the 10 man card and get any other info you need there. So it's only tomorrow night, so you'll have to act quick, I guess, but be there.